KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday, uh, 6 to 11 o'clock, every Saturday, five hours. Wow, that's a lot. And after this show, you have three hours of Leo Laporte, the tech guy. And then after that, starting at 2, it's uh, the Fork Report with Neil Saavedra and then Mo Kelly tonight from 6 to 8 o'clock. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. I have told you about how crazy Israel is. Israel's a theocracy. It's uh, a Jewish state. And uh, the official religion is uh, Judaism. Now, that's not to say that other religions aren't allowed. It's a very First Amendment kind of country that obviously all religions are allowed to be practiced freely. Unlike other theocracies, as in Arab states, where God help you if you're Jewish or you're Coptic or they just don't were Catholic. How many Catholic churches do you think are in Saudi Arabia? Uh, not too many. So uh, Israel has its own rules. And because of the politics of Israel, it's a parliamentary system. And there's no such thing as a majority. There's so many parties. What happens is uh, whoever gets the most votes, the party, the party leader has to cobble together various other parties to create a majority, therefore continue with the government. Well, the religious parties, the super religious, you know, the right wing parties, the fundamentalist religion ones, the ones with the beard and the payas and the hats, and those are the women, uh, are they, they put in rules of Judaism uh, across the entire country and people cave into them because they have the power and they don't care about politics. All they're interested in is their fundamentalist rules. I mean, that's what they're there for. So one of the rules, one of the customs of Judaism is men and women can't sit together. You know, can't dance together, can't do any of that stuff. They're kind of nuts. And so uh, what used to happen if you had an Orthodox man getting on an LL flight and a woman was seated next to him or did sit next to him, he could ask that woman to be moved. I don't want to sit next to a woman. It's immodest. It's against Jewish law. And they would move the woman. Well, a lawsuit was filed by a Renee Rabinowitz, uh, an 83-year-old Holocaust survivor. This woman was sitting in business class on a flight from the U.S. to Israel when a flight attendant asked her to change because the religious man in the next seat didn't want to sit next to her. And this is a long string of cases, so she sued. And the Supreme Court of Israel sided with her and said, the policy of moving female passengers was a direct transgression of the law preventing discrimination because they have anti-discrimination laws. It's a first world country. They're a democracy just like we are, except it's, a, the, it's an official religion, much like England. England also has a state religion. We're not allowed to have one. I mean, right in our Constitution, uh, you know, Congress uh, cannot, uh, you know, establish any religion. Well, England, there's an official religion, the Anglican religion, the Church of England, of which the queen is the defender of the faith. But they, you can obviously you can have any religion you want in England. So uh, the Supreme Court of Israel said, you're done. You can't do that. And if you have an Orthodox man who is, wants not to sit next to a woman, move. Just start moving around. And what if it's business class? Oh, my goodness. And that's the only seat. Too bad. Then get off the airplane. It's not that complicated. Or ask someone else. Now, if a religious man were to ask me to move, I'd tell him to go pound sand. I'd love to see the outcome of that one. I'm not moving. But God will punish you. I hope so. I'm not moving. 
but it's a sin. Great. Couldn't care less. And so now we're talking about the Supreme Court of Israel. Uh, This is not particularly a political organization. And the ultra-Orthodox parties can't argue, well, gee, then we're going to force your government. We're going to pull out of uh, the government and force the government to collapse. And you'll have to find some other party. There's nothing they can do. Can you imagine in this day and age, 2017, and they're still deciding stuff like this? That's how crazy fundamentalists, insert name of religion, is here. And I don't care what it is. They're all nuts. All right, let's take some phone calls. Uh, Hello, Mario. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Hi, Bell. Uh, Love your show. Um, So my question is, uh, about four years ago, a debt collector... uh, that I owed a uh, debt for HSBC, and uh, that it was a uh, two thousand dollars. So I went ahead and uh, said, "Well, I, you know, I want to fix it, get it on my, on my, uh, on my credit." So um, I went ahead and and paid it off. And two years ago, uh, two years ago later, uh, I got a call from another debt collector saying that I still owed it. And I said, "Well, no, I paid it off." So I went ahead and called uh, back to the Brockfield Law Group to ask for my uh, receipt that I paid my settlement in full. I went ahead and got it emailed uh, to me, and when I looked it up, it, it had a different name, same first name, different last name. Got it. So, okay, uh, so the money was paid to the wrong person. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, a couple of questions. I mean, this is easy. Uh, has it been over four years? Uh, it was in 2012. Okay, hold on. Has it been over four years? That's all I want to know. Uh, yes. You're screwed, okay, on getting your money back. Now, uh, the people that want the money now, uh, I'm assuming that has been over four years, correct? Yes. All right, then you don't, no one has to pay anybody. They can't sue you. You can't sue the person you paid it to. And the only thing you have to worry about is getting dinged on your credit. And uh, you simply say, hey, you're past the statute, you're done, and if you ding my credit, number one, I'm going to refute it, and number two, I'm going to sue you for dinging my credit on a bill that I no longer can get sued for. The problem, Mario, is you still owe the money. Yeah. They just can't sue you for the money. And I don't know the rules of uh, credit reporting, whether they can still report you as owing the money even though they're past the statute. And you may want to call one of the credit reporting agencies. Okay. All right. That's easy. And I don't know if you call one of the credit reporting agencies. They report you for calling them regarding a bill that you owe. And it's, yeah, whatever. And it's, that's a drag when you pay the wrong person. I can see him being screwed up because, hey, you paid it. There it is. It's done. And two years later, or in this case, four years later, they call up. So it's kind of a weird story. All right, Scott. Hello. Yes. Bill. Yes. My question is relating to employee reimbursement of expenses. Now, I do materials testing. I go out. I take samples. I do inspections. I carry test equipment or pick up samples that I've taken and, you know, transport them back for testing and everything else like this. And I have thought, well, several of us have thought for a while now that, this year, $0.54 cents a mile is the federal rate, which is what the companies do it. And okay. it's expected that I use my truck for work, okay? And it's not a question of if or, or I don't. You know, if I don't do it, it's no work. Yeah. And I'm wondering, 
how I can turn around and like work up a spreadsheet or something else like this to turn around and kind of get an idea of what the actual costs are. It doesn't matter what the actual costs are, Scott. It could cost okay. you a, it could cost you a dollar a mile, and they're saying we pay fifty four cents. That's the IRS. Uh, that is what the IRS pays, and that's what we pay. We don't care if it costs you $2 a mile. Here's your choice. You quit, Scott. You work for someone else. Or you buy one of those high-mileage uh, little Japanese, although now everybody makes those really small pickup trucks. But legally speaking, Scott, uh, they don't have to do anything more than that. They're not paying you uh, actual expenses because here's the question, Scott. What if someone does have one of those that gets 35 miles to uh, the gallon and yours, because you get a big honking uh, massive truck, you get 12 miles or 10 miles. Do you get uh, do you get the dollar and a half mile and the other guy gets uh, 35 cents or the uh, the 54 cents, the minimum uh, IRS mileage? Where do you go with that? I can understand that. Yeah. So uh, the answer is now you can you can ask. I would actually probably pay you uh, reasonable mileage. I mean, if you got one of those ten mile an hour trucks, I go, you're crazy. I'm not going to pay more than that. But if, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, and that's not true. I'd pay 54 cents a mile until you go quit. Yeah. Yeah. It, All right. Well, it's no, a pain. Yeah. So you're done. So you have no case. Thank you very much. Deborah. Hello, Deborah. Hello. Yes. Hi. Uh, I have a question. Yes. My grandson's two years old, just potty training, and he was on a very expensive uh, toilet seat made, made by a big name manufacturer and it had like a three seat for adults and another one that came down and then a potty chair for boys with a little cup. Anyway, he was sitting on the potty and he bent forward and his penis got sliced on the cup, mm. severely sliced. Mm. Um, now we're talking about a two year old boy, so it doesn't take much, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, it's probably about a half inch cut. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, we had to go to the hospital. Doctor said it could probably take two stitches because of the trauma. They they glued it. So anyway, we did contact a lawyer. We haven't heard anything back. I'm wondering if we should go for um, the um. But, but that, we don't know if there's permanent damage. I know. It's, yeah, but you're not going to know if there's permanent damage. That's for starters. Second of all, Deborah, I think they're all kind of defenses here on behalf of the manufacturing company. First of all, starting uh, with uh, the, what religion are the was uh, the parent uh, the parents? By the way, Deborah, Christian. They're Christian. That so here's so here's the defense is that you were converting the kid into Judaism. No. No good. No, okay. That I think it's a good defense personally, but so be it. Uh the the, the problem is is that the damages are not enormous. If you're talking about a, a a slice penis and okay, a couple of stitches and even if scarring occurs or a little bit of scarring, uh you know, it, it's on your it's on the penis unless there's enough there that you can start arguing that when he is older it's going to get in the way of uh his uh sexual feelings or uh it's going to be uh, when he takes his penis out of his pants uh, to the zipper it's going to be caught up on the zipper is more likely to now i'm just going crazy with all of the potential uh reasons why this would happen but uh, a a 2 year old doesn't have much trauma when you're talking about the, uh, a penis being sliced to the point where you need a couple of stitches to 
Well, he didn't want to get back on the potty. Okay, so you get rid of the, so you undo the potty. So you do something else in the potty. I mean, well, it's what a, about, my biggest concern is if this happened to him, how do we know this didn't happen to other children? Well, you, that's your biggest happen. concern? You're more concerned about what other kids are than your, than your grandson? Some other kid didn't get his cut off. I mean, uh, you know, well, you don't know, but how about this? Uh, the fact that you don't know, why don't you do, why don't you take out an ad? Oh, this is a good idea. Uh, you live where, Deborah? Um, San Diego. San Diego. Why don't you take out a full-page ad in the San Diego Tribune and say, has this ever happened to you? Because I am prepared to spend thousands and thousands of dollars out of my money to make sure it never happens to you. And by the way, if it does, you won't be able to get a lawyer either. Right. Yeah. Listen to like things are made specifically for a child. Yeah. Yeah. They screw, you know, they screwed up. Okay. They have a bad product. So you write to them. And you say, hey, you submit your medical bills, and you 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 say, hey, stop it. And you hope they, uh, uh, you hope that they, in fact, uh, uh, recall it. You go to the uh, authorities, you go to the FTC, and say, hey, here's the problem. Hopefully, they do an investigation and tell the manufacturer, hey, you've got to recall it. There's a whole bunch of things to do here, but uh, for you to make sure that nobody else or to stop other people from doing it, I hope you're prepared to spend at least tens of thousands of dollars to protect the penises of other little boys. Because I know that's important. <laughs> I grew up to handsome men. I don't know. I might want to protect them. Okay, then go ahead. I mean, there's no problem with that. You know, uh, spend the money. Just call the San Diego Tribune. Find out what full-page ads cost. Because you can't just do it once. You really want to cover the population. You have to do it several times. Maybe go on television. Maybe you get a local TV reporter to pick it up. And actually do a video. Footage at 11. We'll show you how a potty seat can really ruin your child's life. A lot of things you can do. Uh, hello, Bill. Welcome to Handle uh, on the Law. I have a question, a renter's question. Yes. Um, at what point do you have the protection of they having to give you 30-day notice if you don't have a lease? Uh, at the point you move in. Okay. Yeah, from from minute one, you have to have a 30-day notice before you can uh, bail out. And in some cases, I think it's 60-day notice. But uh, either way, it's uh, the moment you, you go in, you get the same protection as if you've been there for 200 years. All right? Tricky second part. If they furnish it, can they just lock you out immediately? No, they can't lock you out under any circumstances. Okay. Because that's, that's a uh, retaliatory – that's actually an eviction. Okay. That's a constructive eviction. I mean, it is an eviction. So you're okay. Great. All right? Yeah. It sounds like you're going to be renting from a really good person. There's no doubts there, are there? All right. Uh, good for you. Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Yeah, Michelle, you there? Yeah, Michelle, we speak English on this show. Just wanted to let you know. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Hello, Michelle, are you there? Oh. Yes. Okay. I wanted to ask you. I bought. Um, I purchased a car from a private dealer, a pr- private person, and um, the car is in excellent condition. And I trusted the guy, and I knew that he was supposed to provide me with a smock check, but he didn't because we negotiated the price, and it didn't pass. Okay. Is there anything I can do about? Well, yeah. That? There's a few things. Have you figured out how much it's going to cost you to make it uh, smog passable? Yes. How much is that going to cost you? 
It's going to cost about 450 Okay. Uh, the deal you got from the car, for the car, if you paid the $450, is that a still a decent deal? Yeah. All right. Then here are your choices. You pay for it and sue him in small claims court, which is probably the best way to go, uh, okay. and or you uh, sue him for all of your money back. And uh, just say he breached the contract because implied in the contract is a car that will pass the smog test uh, or just suck it up. Probably the easiest way is to pay for it, which you're going to have to do anyway, unless you mm-hmm. want to return the car and get your money back, which I wouldn't do. Uh, because if the car is a good car and the worst it costs you is $400, uh, because a private owner getting money back is not an easy thing, even if you get a judgment. Uh, so the cleanest way I would do it is pay the four hundred and then sue in small claims court for the four hundred. That's it. Okay, sounds All right. good. All right, yeah, that's what I would do. I think that's the uh, easiest way out, even when you have a bunch of choices. Alexander, hello, Alexander. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Hi, uh, is this Bill? Yes, it is. After I say yes, Alexander, you're supposed to ask me a question, unless we have a problem with the phone which we just did. All right. Fair enough. I, I think it's a cell phone. One of the beauties about cell phones is uh, there's nothing beautiful about cell phones. They drive me completely crazy. Uh, hello, Steve. Now, I'm trying to help my daughter uh, finalize her divorce. Uh, she started this thing two years ago, and um, he, she wanted to get the divorce, so she got an attorney. Now the ex-husband wants her to pay for the attorney okay and and uh, we don't really want to do it no kidding one. all right so what's your question well do uh, we're not obligated no we that's just, correct you're not obligated unless the court orders her to pay for the attorney well and then he lost his job for two years and she's been giving him child support and alimony over a hundred thousand dollars in two years so we don't want to pay that extra money why are you paying that without a court order anyway well how much money how much money does she how much money does she make steve she about 150000 Okay, well, here's the, how long were they married? Uh, they were married 18 years. Oh, good God. He's, and she's making all the money. Well, she, he, got, he lost his job, and he was making close to the same. So okay, were, but, he's no, but he's no longer earning any money. Right. He okay. lost his job, and she's now disabled, so she, you know, and she was so she's So she's making no money. Right. Okay, well, that's easy. You file the divorce. Neither one is making money. And all of a sudden, I tell you, as uh, child support to the tune of $50,000 is going to stop instantly, and the court is going to look at who makes what. Child support Quiet. is going to be paid, but who, the chi- the, is, it a single, is it a single child? No, we have two children. Okay, so two kids are, uh, who do they live with? Well, they split. They're split. Then there's probably going to be 50-50. There'll probably be no child support ordered, and there'll probably be no uh, divo- there'll probably be no spousal support ordered pending right. someone getting a job. Uh, but as far as him asking, uh, we want you to pay. You tell him to go pound sand. Tell it to a judge. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. Well, he's trying. And, you know... They've been married a long time. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, if one was, if you're, if if she was still working, she'd be paying up the yin yang in well, spousal she was support for a while. But it doesn't. But she doesn't have it now. Right. So right. Well, let's go over. It should be over in a week if we. All get right. This yeah. Thing. Well, it's. What do you mean over in a week? Have you got in front of a judge yet? Oh yeah, it's been there for two and, years. And what is the judge? What is the judge ordered? Well, I don't know what did the judge order. Then what? Why are you calling me? 
well, I'm sorry. I can't well, hear. If I don't know what the judge ordered, why are you calling me? It's all well, with the it's all with the judge order, Steve. All of it. Not she wants to pay, and do we have to pay? It's the what the judge ordered. Okay, so can, then can the judge order the, him her to pay the trial? Uh, yes, the yes, the judge can, but I'm but, but I'm asking what, and you can't tell me. So what a waste of a phone call. That's like literally holding me and saying, what does the contract say? Well, I don't have the contract. But you talked about the contract. Well, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't answer your question. And you expect me to answer the question. Yeah, that's going to work in this lifetime. Hi, hello, John. Welcome. Hey, Bill. Yes. Hey, how you doing? Go ahead. Uh, okay, so um, there's uh, I've been paying the car for about a year and a half. And I originally got it with a co-signer, and now she's saying she wants the car back. All right. Well, whose name is in the is the car in? Well, it's both of our names, but I I called uh, an attorney and uh, they asked me if it says my name and then the letter and or or. I mean the word and or or. And what so, is it? It's or. Yeah. Then that you don't have to give it to her. It's it's one or the other. She can ask for the car back. You say no. Okay. Yeah, so I, it's that simple. It's either you or her, and it's you. Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Tell her to go pound sand. All right, cool. All right, that was easy. And, of course, she can pick up the car, and then she could tell you to go pound sand. And the two of you have a uh, fist fight, which would be terrific. Heidi. Hello, Heidi. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Oh, thank you, Bill. Yes, um, my question regards my son. He has been convicted of a felony. Um, and he is now off probation, done all the things required by the court. But unfortunately, it's on his record, and he's trying to get it expunged. Yeah. Can he do it himself? Uh, um, I wouldn't. I mean, you can if you do the research. Uh, the, is- yeah. uh, the issue is, uh, is he eligible? Now, uh, the problem was for drug possession, well, I'm assuming with intent to sell, correct? Using. Oh, just using. Okay, then you want to hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, because that's good news so far. If they could have filed it as a misdemeanor, Mm -hmm. then it makes it fairly easy to knock it down to a misdemeanor. And then, as a matter of fact, uh, California law now allows you to do that, where it's going to be regarded as a misdemeanor. And that's fairly easy to expunge. Yeah, but if they yes, if they can get it done in misdemeanor. Yeah, but but it's uh, but if it's drug if it's drug use. That's not the end of the world uh, because that's the way we're going. We're heading in that direction where simple drug use uh, is not is not nearly uh, the crime that it was considered a few years ago. And especially, as I said, if, if they could have filed either way. Now, it could be that you can't file either way. For example, if there are enough drugs there and uh, he's popped for drug possession for the purpose of distribution where there's enough there where he's not going to argue three kilos of cocaine is personal use. That's kind of difficult to do. Uh, But I would at least talk to a criminal attorney, uh, buy buy an hour, and then uh, you could possibly do it yourself. I mean, it's either yes or no on that, although uh, it can be argued. Here's the problem he's also going to have is he's just finished with probation now. It's, yeah. it's not years later where he can claim I've been not only am I done with probation, I did everything the court has asked me to do. But this was five years ago. And look what my life is now after five years or three years or 10 years. Right. That's why you want to talk to a criminal attorney who may do just a much better job setting up uh, the uh, setting up uh, his circumstances, 
setting up uh, the way he approaches uh, the bench to make it as positive for your son as possible. It could be, but then that's uh, going to be thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's it's a lot. And if you don't have the money and he doesn't have the money, that becomes a problem. Then you have no choice but to do it yourself. And it's on his record as a felony. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's not good. What kind of drugs are we talking about? Oh, I imagine it was a little bit of, um, what was it this time? It was a little bit of meth. This time? Oh, yeah. He had a problem before. but he You're didn't. talking about a problem not being arrested before. Yes, he's been arrested, but years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah that's that's is- not helpful either, except that you can argue the time uh, between yeah. the arrests. I, if you could possibly afford an attorney, I would go for it, Heidi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's no easy way out of that one, for sure. Uh, hello, David. Uh, no. Yes. Uh, this is John. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, John. What can I do for you? Oh, uh, so <clears throat> there's this girl that uh, co-signed the car for me. And then um, I've been making the payments. She's never made one payment. And now she's saying she wants me to give her the okay. car back. Easy, easy peasy. Like, is the car in your name that she simply co-signed it? Or is it in her name? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's in Buffalo. Well, then you can say I'm an owner of the car. You know, I'm not giving it to you and let her go to court. Yeah, she's saying she's going to call it and report it stolen. Yeah, fine. And you just show the cops that you're an owner. Look at the look at the registration. I own this car. How do you steal your own car? I know. Yeah, don't worry. You're going to be fine. Let her report it stolen all day long and just say, hey, uh, that is incidentally a false police report. Really? Yeah, let her know if she reports the car of which you are an owner and the cops yeah. stop you, you're going to file a complaint against her for a false police report, which it is if she files it, and her report against you for having stolen a car that you already own is not obviously any kind of a criminal act. So let her know cool. she's the one that's going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I've been paying the insurance since... It doesn't matter. It does, none of that matters. None of that. No one cares. Okay. No one cares. Okay. It's just who owns it and whether it's stolen or not, and you're going to be fine. All right, Alexander, let's try this. Hello. Hi. Yes. Uh, so, yes, um, uh, a few months ago, I was involved in an accident. Uh, I rear-ended a young lady on the freeway on-ramp, under 10, 10 miles an hour, but it was my fault. Anyway, she got her insurance. I had my insurance. We filed, she filed her claim. Her claim is ongoing for medical. Okay. Her automobile's taken care of. She's suing me in small claims for medical expenses and pain and suffering while she's still being treated and her claim is still open. All right, just talk to you. Yeah, just talk to your, just turn it over to your insurance company. Uh-huh. Your insurance company handles all that. Just give it to them. Okay, but does she's suing me? In yeah, I know. Claims? Of course she's suing you. Who else is she going to sue? You're the one that hit her. Correct. Yeah, so you are, in fact, the defendant. I mean, she's not Correct. she's not suing me, and she's not <laughs> suing your insurance company, because your insurance company didn't hit her. Right. The insurance defends you. So, of course, you're going to be the one that's going to be named. Turn it over to your insurance company and let them deal with it. Uh, okay, so I'm scheduled to appear soon. Do I file an extension? Uh, yo, no, no, no. You, you just turn it over to your insurance company. That's what you do right now. Yeah, I mean right now. Okay. All right? All right, yeah, okay. you don't wait. I mean, as soon as she sued you, you turn it over because if you don't show up, you're going to get a default, although you can uh, appeal it. And, you know, I don't know the way insurance companies work on this one. 
whether they immediately kick it up to superior court, uh, which they may because they're not allowed to appear on your behalf. It's only yourself. So I don't know how that works. And I'm sure that someone who does know how it works will, you know, email me and I'll promptly just ignore it as I do everything else. Richard. Hi, Richard. Richard. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Or yes, you are. Hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, I have a question about my sister-in-law's father. Uh, He was killed in a drunk driving accident about a month ago. Um, she, I know that, uh, the car was in her name, uh, insured under her that he was driving. So I'm pretty sure that's covered by her insurance, but, uh, she's an only child and she's only 23 years old. And I was wondering about a wrongful death. Yeah. Oh no. She has a case. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. You, uh, you want to go to a, yo, absolutely. You want to go to a personal injury attorney? Cause that is a legitimate case for wrongful death. Sure. Okay. All right. So, know. yeah, let her know. You can go to handleonthelaw.com where we have tons of those attorneys. And this is one of those cases we'll certainly talk to you because it sounds like a pretty good case. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, Mike, who comes up with the stories, our executive producer, uh, liaison, board operator, head honcho here, uh, is always looking for stories. And we go across the world uh, looking for stories. And I love the my dog ate the homework stories. Just love them. And here is a fantastic one out of Australia. Uh, there's a young nurse who had to do a mandatory drug test because she works uh, in a facility where they just do d- drug testing as a regular uh, course. Uh, and she failed a drug test. There were drugs in her system. I think specifically cocaine in this case. And she defended herself when she's brought before the board and say, hey, you know, we have uh, found cocaine. She said, well, maybe, but I didn't take the cocaine because last night I had sex with a very sweaty man who I understand now was snorting cocaine. And the argument is that her test could have been contaminated by his bodily fluids after they engaged in sexual intercourse. And uh, she was successful in appealing to the board uh, over regulations imposed on her, uh, saying uh, she didn't have knowledge of her sexual partner's drug use. He told her later. He was sweaty as hell. The cocaine could have transferred. So the board, the Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia, suspended her for a month following that failed test. She appeals. She said, after having sex... After having sex with this man, uh, she did not shower. God, how disgusting that is. And she just went to work, and therefore uh, the sweat and or other bodily fluids transferred to her, and that's why she failed the test. She didn't go to the toilet either, she said, uh, after having sex with a man before, which is even more disgusting. So a chemical pathologist, I mean, they took this all the way. So a chemical pathologist uh, is uh, at the tribunal, at the hearing, and testifies it would take half a liter of semen or half a liter of sweat for anything like this to be tested. Now, half a liter is about a quart. So we're talking a pint of semen. Man, 
even a pint of sweat, although a pint of sweat is probably uh, more plausible than is a pint of semen. Half and half, that's very, that's disgusting. Uh, Now, she did admit to recreational use of drugs in the past, uh, including snorting, uh, what she believed to be cocaine. I've never snorted. I've never got involved in anybody that, that, believed it was cocaine and it was and it wasn't cocaine and so uh the board said okay here's what we'll do uh we're going to go ahead and uh this is it you're gonna do 30 days that's all we're gonna do uh but you're gonna have to turn in uh four urine tests per month continue quarterly hair quarterly hair analysis until we are satisfied that uh everything is okay we'll let you go back to work uh, pending all of that and you know don't have sex with sweaty guys you know who have more semen, and they could be they they could be sperm donors and literally inseminate half the women in the country who are looking for sperm donation that day. All right, let's take some phone calls. Gregory, hi, Gregory. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you? Okay. What it is? Uh, I went out to Oklahoma on September the seventeenth of last year. And it broke down with a water heater. What broke, broke down? Uh, the RV. I ah, got it. You have an RV that broke okay. down. Okay. Right. And then turn around. Uh, I had it towed in from uh, Good Sam. They towed it to a certain place. And that certain place called me up and told me they wanted to get worked on it. And they needed my permission. I told them to call. All of a sudden, I'm going through a little changes with it, like week after week after week. As of right now, we're speaking, the RV is still at the same place. I never got it, never seen it in a while. But in between that time, he was telling me that he had problems getting parts. Then he turned around and he got the parts. It's been a while after that. Then his wife got sick and then a while after Now, how that. long is, uh, Gregory, how long is a while from, wait, wait, how long is a while from the first moment he took it till today? He took it in. How the, long is a uh, while? Is it months? Is it weeks? Oh, oh, I say about two weeks. Three two weeks. Eh, two then, weeks. Three weeks is not the end of the world. Uh, getting parts and putting it in. Okay. So, uh, what's what's your question? Okay. Well, what I'm trying to say is, as of right now, it's still there, and I'm still having more problems with him. He had took it apart and said that maybe he didn't find out what he did wrong, so he's gonna try it again. And then it's been a couple of more weeks, and then he turned around and tell me he called me up to say he dropped a boat in the engine, and it's gonna take a little while to go find that before he can get started again. Yeah, it looks yeah, like a lot, Gregory. It looks it November. Lo- yeah, Gregory. It looks like a lawsuit. You have, yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. Right now. Well, here's my real quick question. Is I know I'm going to have to go ahead and go down there and sue them. Yeah. Because I have, a, you know, because it's 3800 to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, no, I now, get it. I want it, so, and it's still not running. And I wanted to get it to take it somewhere else. But he said what he did was 3800 even though it's not running. Okay, okay you have. Here's my question. Go ahead. Can I be able to go in there and go get my. No. Uh, no. Loaning out of the. Cause no, not really. For over six. No. No, you can't, because that would be breaking and entering. You're going to need... Uh, no, 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 not just... I'm asking him, can I come get my parts and, and my baloney out of there Why he still got the whole... Oh, uh, and what did he say? Well, he hasn't said anything because... Yeah, I you, if he gives he you permission, Gregory, if he gives you permission, yes. If he gives, he doesn't give you permission and keeps it on, in, on, on his property, no. You can't break into his property what unless he's... On the tow truck uh, property. No, I understand. Is there a fence around it? 
I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, good. So you go in there, he tells you to leave, and the next thing you know, if you don't leave, is you've got handcuffs on. Especially oh, if you're, really? yeah, oh yeah, Gregory, uh, you've, you, unfortunately you have a mess on your hand. You went to the, and it's not your fault, but you got, uh, hold the wrong person. It's definitely, uh, a small claims matter and get a judgment. And it's, uh, ah, it's a mess. It really is. I'd, uh, get hold of the police if you can to help you out and maybe call it stolen. I mean, not that it is, but anything. I mean, anything, uh, to get, uh, the authorities on your side. Uh, Bethany. Hello, Bethany. Yes, I have a question, Bill, about um, the property that we have in the county of L.A. We have had it. It's been here since 1949, and uh, the person next door is moving and selling their home. Our question is, as far as the fence, if we have a question or it looks like the fence is all over the place, like the line for the fence or they're trying to build, it's like they're inching over into our property, uh, who's responsible for for surveying that you are um, we are the sure person. yeah you can't force them to survey it okay and if it looks like they're just kind of taking liberty and then you tell them to move the fence and okay. if they and if they don't move it you move it and send them a bill for it okay. anything that's on your property bethany you can do anything that's on your property if they put a fence on your property you can say tear it down okay. you don't have permission to be on my property do you know if there's a um, like an easement rule? I don't. Yeah, if there is an easement, but it's recorded. You go to the county recorder's office and you pull uh, the name of the property to see if there's an easement. Easement, but there oh. won't be an easement as to a property line uh, and whether a fence is on one foot or the other. That won't. There won't be an easement there. Okay, it's just straight theirs and ours. Because uh, he keeps. Yeah, I would guess. I mean, that's ninety uh, percent of it or ninety nine percent. I can't understand why there would be an easement. I mean, I can see easements where uh, there's a driveway, and the only way they can get into onto their property is through a driveway that's on your property. Otherwise, they're landlocked. Uh, those are easements. Uh, certainly, the utility companies have easements the last five feet or down the side to run pipes, uh, to run uh, electrical cables, that sort of thing. That's an easement. Uh, let's say there is a, uh, a telephone pole on your property. That's an easement that's recorded. But... Uh, not between neighbors, no. Okay, Anna, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Anna. Hello, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I, I called you about this before, but um, they they had sent me a letter from the bank again, and uh, they had changed hands uh, about 15 years ago. I have not uh, been in that bank for 15 years. I never went in the safe deposit box. I have no money in, in there. And they tell me um, that uh, I I didn't give them back the keys, and they want $150. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's 15 years, they can say whatever the hell they want, Anna. You can say it's 15 years ago. What are you going to sue me, for $150 on a on a 15-year-old account? Excuse me, it's still the same amount. I still owe $80, it, and they still But it doesn't matter. Anna, it doesn't matter. It was so long ago. It was 80 I, I know. So you're done. What's your question? Uh, it's just I went into that bank and I asked the manager about it. I didn't give her my name or anything, and she said, "Well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't ignore it." 
but it doesn't make any sense because if I have no money in there, why would I have a safe deposit box? Because maybe, did you ever have a safe deposit box? Yes, yes. Okay, so whatever's in the safe deposit box, I'm willing to bet is basically out of there. I because never you, put anything in there. Yeah, it was yeah. just an empty safe deposit box. That's right. You're fine. Just leave it alone. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I just wanted to re- reassure myself. What, I answered that the first time and you call me up again? I called you again. Okay, great. That's fantastic. Uh, Colander her down. She can't call for another two months for the third time when I answer the question. Uh, hello, Andre. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, Bill. I work at a restaurant, and I've been discriminated, uh, treated bad for the four years I've been working. All right. There. How and so? That- Andre, tell me how. Man, uh, just little dumb comments. I'm always the butt of the jokes. Okay, by whom? Who who makes you the butt of the jokes? The coworkers, the, the co- you know, not the management. And and just recently, we have new management in, and I believe that these the coworkers have been running to the new management, telling new management that you know Andre's no good. But I've been there four years. All right, uh, so Andre, where's the discrimination? What are they saying about you? What are they saying about you, that you're arguing discrimination? No, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Two weeks ago, I went up to one of my coworkers. She was, you know, leaning on the wall at a restaurant and uh, talking to another coworker. And I said, uh, I asked her a question. She didn't answer the question. So, yes, I snapped my finger, like, come on, come on, come on. She runs to the manager. Oh, you can't do that to me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't mean it like that. So how how are you being discriminated, Andre? Because the management kept telling me, you know, you can't be snapping, snapping okay. your fingers. Okay, all right, fair enough. So they, so how is that discrimination when the management says you can't snap your fingers at someone? Where is the discrimination? Well, I believe if I wasn't, well, you know, a highly melanated man. Hey, I'm sorry, you're a, a, a what, what kind of man? Highly melanated. Highly melanated. Good for you for saying a black guy. I've never heard anybody say that. I love it, Andre. All well, my I ears. Know, I know. No, I love you it. Love me. Yeah, no, you I do. That's a, that's as okay, soon as you said I'm a highly melanated man, man, I fell in love with you. Okay, so uh, the okay. snapping of the fingers. Got it. So uh, okay, okay. So that's one thing. Then last week, um, the girl, I go up to a woman and I, I asked her a question about the area at her table. She's a server, and she goes, "I'm on my mic." And I'm like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, no! I just, I just need to ask the question." Yeah, Andre, none table. of that. Okay, I got news for you. None of that is discrimination. None of it. All right. They just don't like wow. you. They, yeah, just because, know, you know, here's really the problem, Andre. Like, it has nothing to do with you being black. It has to do with the fact they don't like you. I know. And that's I it. Know. It's it. I mean, uh, what can even I tell when, you? Even when I wear my bowler hat. It doesn't matter. You wear a bowler hat in the restaurant? No, I don't wear the bowler hat to the, when I'm working. But when I go to work, I'm wearing my hat. They all right. Like so they make fun of the fact you're wearing a bowler hat? Everything about me. I got they news, partner. If I wore a bowler hat to work, they wouldn't leave me alone here. Oh. <laughs> Andre, you haven't been discriminated. They just don't like you. I know they Especially don't like the snapping you. the fingers. So all I can say to you is... There you go. All right. Highly melanated. Okay, you know what? Okay, that works. That works. Good for him. Uh, is that Tineka? Do I have that right? Tanika. Tanika. Hello, Tanika. Hi. Yes. I'm calling because my unit was sold about a year ago. Uh, we got a new property management company. We just met the landlord only one time. 
the first incident occurred. Uh, we got the place tenant. The security guard that the property manager hired attempted to break into the unit while we were in the hotel. And he how do you know that? How do you know he attempted to break in? The neighbor watched him and actually called the police. Okay. And it was happening. All right. And what did the police do? Nothing. They didn't show up. They didn't even show up. It All right. In the middle of the night. Okay. So you have a witness, uh, and but they didn't. But he wasn't able to actually break in. Correct. No, we actually got the key that he broke off in the lock. Okay. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out damages here. Uh, yeah. He did not get into the property, right? No. He okay. Didn't get in. Good. Well, that's good news. All right. Yeah. So the second incident occurred. Um, they hired the property manager hired a painters to come in to paint the unit. We were gone. Um, according to the neighbors, they had their whole family there running in and out of the unit. When we came back, I had about $2,000 worth of jewelry stolen. Yeah. I notified the property manager. Um, he said, hey, sue me. We called the cops. I got a police report. But that's, that was his answer. I've asked him so for sue the him. owner's information. So sue him. Well, I don't know if I sue him or the actual He's owner. He's the manager? Of the property. He's the property manager? Yes. You sue both. You find out who owns the property, and it may or may not be a corporation. People gen- generally don't owe, uh, don't generally do not uh, own property in their own name. It's generally a corporation or a trust, whatever. But I'd sue the property manager. Well, uh, I was because, able to get the owner's name from the county assessor. Okay, then you I, go I ahead. Then you then you sue you sue both, Tanika. Okay, you sue them both. The problem is proving it was two thousand dollars worth of jewelry. Well, I have my receipts and my jeweler. That helps. To, that helps. Yeah, that everything. helps. The more you have, the happier the judge is to give it to you. Okay, but do not take it out the rent or anything like that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because okay. then it gets to be a mess. Uh, well, that was my concern because yeah. I was going to do Don't do it. it. Just sue him. Yeah, just sue him in small claims court. All right. Thank you. Okay. And let the owners know that you're suing him. You've told the owners what this guy does, right? I have, and he's not responding well, to me. I all wrote right. him a letter. All right, then you know, then you have a an owner and a manager who clearly uh, do not like you being there, or they don't care, or the manager is a straight out criminal, and the owner likes the work he does and doesn't and doesn't care whether he is or not. And I'd consider getting the hell out of there uh, because yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with the criminal part. I've yeah. called him a criminal numerous yeah. times. And you say, yeah, I understand. He probably is, or part of it, or just so negligent it didn't matter. Hello, Randy. <clears throat> Hello, Randy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my question is, I, I have an insurance policy on my commercial box van truck. It's um, It was just a cab chassis, and we added a special box to it, along with all the equipment in it, um, plumbing contractor. Um, February, or January 6th, the truck was stolen since then. Uh, and they just took everything off of it. Since then, um, we have recouped it. The insurance company did fix the cosmetic damage and everything on the truck. But under my policy, under additional, it says box. And then underneath that, there's the different line items. And there's a line commercial equipment for $35,000. Now, I'm going round and round with them as to what that means because i i have never gotten anything that itemizes or speci- specifies what that is yeah and I, I you know is it tool i don't know if that's tools uh i well, don't I, I would argue i would argue that it's all commercial equipment that you have in the truck are they not reimbursing you for everything that was inside that truck well they they're 
they've made the, the comment that if it was bolted down. Oh, that's crap. And there's not much that was. Yeah, no, that's right. You're gonna have to. You're gonna probably have to sue him, Randy. How much money so, are you, How much money are you talking about in terms of the the tools inside or the uh, oh, the parts? At least, at least twenty to twenty five thousand. Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to sue him, Randy. This is an insurance company being obnoxious, and uh, you want to start screaming at supervisors. Say, really, equipment as far as you're concerned is bolted down, and it doesn't say a word describing what equipment is. Because right. insurance policies then go on, they do uh, definitions. For example, insured means you. Uh, it, the insurance company means us. Vehicle means, and they go really very, very specific. And uh, they could say equipment means uh, any piece of equipment bolted down, or uh, they could d- describe it, and they're not describing it. So that leaves it wide open. So you start screaming at them, and you may have to file the lawsuit, Randy. There's not much you can do about it. And what what type of attorney? Would yeah, just get? any civil lawyer. It doesn't matter. A civil lawyer. Yeah, okay. that's right. And you probably have to go through arbitration, is my guess. But there should be a prevailing attorney's clause there. Uh, which means that whoever wins pays the attorney uh, on the other side. And that seems to me like a winner based on what you've told me. Haven't read the insurance policy, so I don't know. Uh, Todd. Hello, Todd. Good morning. Yes. Okay. Uh, I had an officer caught me drinking a beer. It was a poorly written ticket. What does that mean? So uh, the location was wrong. Uh, He said I was on city property and I wasn't. And uh, so I just tried to get off on basically a technicality. What what technicality? Um, I wasn't on city. I wasn't at where he said I was. All right. That's not a technicality. That's a matter of fact. Okay. Okay. That is, uh, yeah, that's not interpretation. He says you were there. You're saying you weren't there. Okay. Fair enough. So now what? So so I tried to fight the ticket. I go to court. And he lies. Okay. He just flat out lies. Right. It has happened before. It'll happen again. So what you... I can prove it. How do you prove that he lied? Because he said the Navy called. You say the what? He said the United States Navy called him and said I was drinking a beer. And I had just... Wait a sec. The Navy called a cop... The, who who in the Navy... Wait a sec. Who in the Navy... Did you put him up and ask who in the Navy called you? Did you ask him that? No, I was kind of uh, just. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you ask him? Saying, uh, "Hey, what are you talking about?" Because here you have transcripts. Okay, but hold on. Here you have an officer saying the Navy called, and you didn't refute it. Yeah, you didn't say the Navy didn't call. When does the Navy call a cop? Unless someone's turning you in, and where were you at the time when you popped the beer? I was on on crossing the naval base. All right, you were on the naval base, and they're saying the Navy called you, and you have to find out why. Now, he could have said a guard called me or someone called me, and I don't know who it is. So basically, you're screwed any way you do it. I don't think so. Well, you know what? Were you convicted? Yeah. Okay, so how are you not screwed? Because I'm going to appeal it. Okay, go ahead. But here's the problem. Uh, it's a matter of fact what the judge found. And the judge, the next judge, uh, is uh, not going, you're not going to be able to put the cop back on the stand. No, no, no. I just want to get the cop in trouble. That's You're not going to get the I cop in, you're not going to get the cop in trouble, Todd. I didn't think so. No, nah, you're screwed. Okay, nice talking to you.
Uh, hello, Marilyn. Hey. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I own a home, and I had solar added to my house. And when the solar contract was written up, they wrote it in my name and my ex-fiance's name. Although I signed the contract and I'm financially responsible, I'm trying to move, sell the house, and my ex will not remove his name from the contract. Well, okay. So I don't quite understand why uh, uh, he won't remove his Oh, I see, because the solar goes with the house. The solar goes with the house. And But, um, but it's not in, got it, And it's but it's not in his name. No, because it's not his house. It's mine. Really, the contract was just written in error with his name on it. Oh, so but he you, won't, yeah. he won't agree to sign it. Got it. So you get to tell the solar company to, to go to court if they have to to take her uh, his name off because it's their mistake and it's stopping the sale of the house and it's their problem. It is their problem. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to. Otherwise, Marilyn, you're going to sue them. Okay. Then that's okay. So that's she. So they have to. They actually have to go to court and say it was a mistake and have a judge order. That uh, the uh, the contract be amended. Okay. Yeah, nice Perfect. relationship with a boyfriend. That's great. Uh, wowie zowie. Good for her. All right, Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Bill. Yes, ma'am. A few weeks ago, I um, some friends invited me to have dinner at their place. Um, they live in a residential area, an apartment building with about uh, 15 units. Uh, they saw me circling the block a couple of times. They called me on the cell phone and told me, hey, you can go ahead and park in the lot at our building. They live on the first floor, so they buzzed the gate open for me and I pulled into the parking lot. I just opened the gate for me and uh, when I went into initially... Um, okay, I'm losing you. That's a, It's a bad, bad connection. All right, so let me try this. So you went into the parking lot. It's a, it's a enclosed parking lot because there was a gate, correct? Yes. All right. Underground. And where did you but park? The gate was, where did the you, gate was open at that Where time. did you park? I, the first spots in the parking lot were all marked with numbers. All right. I went to the back of the lot. That's where I found uh, parking spaces marked with numbers along with the writing that said visitor. I picked one of these spots. Yeah, okay, now, that's fair. And? Uh, three and a half hours later. I got back into the underground parking lot, and my car was gone. Okay. So um, uh, they towed it, and I, did you get your car back? They towed it. I found a bunch of signs that said unauthorized or improperly parked vehicles will be impounded. Um, called the um, towing company in question, and they confirmed that my car was there. Now, uh, How much did it cost you to get the car out? Well, that's a whole other story. No, no, because that's your da- those are your damages. How much did it cost you to well, get the car out? Two hundred and got it. Okay. After I fought, all right. They wanted only cash. All right, and, uh, all right, fine. I so you paid two hundred and thirty-five dollars. So what's your question, Alex? Two hundred and forty-five. Well, um, the uh, manager apparently is the one who called for the tow. Okay. So what's your, yeah. what's your question? Based on the fact that my car was unauthorized and improperly parked. Okay, except, now, uh, hold on, except uh, yeah, you you get to look at uh, the argument of un uh, that uh, unauthorized. So now, what are the rules of uh, the parking garage itself? 
does, for example, if uh, the uh, a renter has to call the manager and get permission up front to have you park there and you have no idea because it could be that the friends you were visiting had no authority to let you park there. Do you see the problem? Well, she saw the problem. I think we lost her or she hung up. I think we more lost her than anything else. Huh. Too bad. I was going to go and do something with that. Uh, hello, Taylor. Hey, what's up? Sir? Yes, sir. Uh, so I work at a pretty big company, and every day we don't have time to take a lunch because it's a, a busy day. And at the end of the day, they have us add a lunch in our time card. And if we do not add it, they'll delete our time card and the next day have us add it in. I'm just wondering if that's something we can go after. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's totally illegal. Uh, they have to give you a lunch break. You cannot go through without a lunch break. I mean, that you just have to have lunch. I mean, that's all there is to it, and that's the law. And then if they start screwing around the card saying if you don't put it at the end of the day, and no, all of that is illegal. Now the question is, how many of you are there? Uh, how big a company? And uh, do you want to stand out and be the guy that bitches and moans? Although that's, yeah. Yeah, and although I have to tell you, if um, uh, – if you do this through uh, Department of Labor Relations and uh, you are fearful of retaliation, I think they have a way to do it. Somebody complained and then start the investigation without them knowing it's you. That's why I want to know. How big a company is it, Taylor? Is it okay if I say the name of it? Or? No, no, no. How big a company? Do not say the name. Okay, uh, it's a Fortune 500. It's oh, yeah, then you're, yeah, then, then there's no issue. Oh, yeah, then it could be anonymous. Then just go to the Department of Labor Relations or the Department of Industrial Relations for the state. Okay, so there's no problem that even though I'm the one that does my time card? Uh, well, if they're forcing you to do that time card, are you the only one or they have everybody do it? No, there's over 100 supervisors. Oh, yeah, 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 there's no question. Just uh, start complaining and they're going to ask people and you're not about to lie. Yeah, yeah. And if they have, and and if your bosses have any trouble, uh, what you do is say, do you do you really expect me to just blatantly lie to a governmental investigation? Seriously? Okay, because I've been doing it for, I mean, it's been nine years. No, now. I understand, but you can stop it cold just by just by making the complaint happen. KFI AM uh, six forty. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday, and as always, uh, thanks very much for listening. I hope that sound is sincere. I try. I try to sound sincere. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Actually, it never works uh, because no one believes I'm sincere. But uh, actually, you should be thanking me because I'm the one that's giving you advice. Actually, I should be thanking you because you listen to that advice. Actually, I should be calling you a moron for listening to my advice. Actually, you should get upset with me for giving that advice. All right, let's just move on, okay? This is Handle on the Law marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Okay, a story out of Florida. And uh, there is a man who's playing softball uh, with a bunch of friends, and his daughter wanders away. And there was another man who saw the kid uh, having wandered away, not not knowing that the child was part and parcel of uh, the softball game where dad was. And he picks up the child and tries to find the the uh, kid's parents. When the father sees him, we're going to call him the Good Samaritan, sees him and promptly beats the crap out of him because he thought that he was abducting the child. Not only did he beat the crap out of the guy, but the other softball players, the people on his team, 
converged on this man thinking he was trying to kidnap the child and then beat him, was part of beating him to a pulp. And then after the attack, uh, the dad and several other people on the team took to social media, named him, and the reason we don't have his name is because the police are, is not releasing his name for obvious reasons, named him, posted photos of him and his family and making derogatory comments. And this is after they knew that he had tried to be a good Samaritan and simply find the parents. I mean, this is pretty sleazy stuff. So the man and his family left the area, fearing for their safety. And the police said, you know, you can't spread this speculation online. And then went on to say, posting false information on Facebook could cause a defamation of character claim, and those posting false information could be held liable. And after questioning all the people at the baseball site, et cetera, the police made no arrest. The man didn't press charges because he said he understood as a parent the fear of a child being abducted. You would think there'd be an apology all over the place. You would think that the dad and his buddies would immediately go on Facebook and saying, oh, my God, here's what we thought. We misunderstood. This guy's a good guy. None of that. Boy, what a bunch of sleazeballs. Good Samaritan. So take away, if there's a kid running around, just, you know what? Hey, goodbye. Go find your parents. Gee, mister, can you help me find my mom and dad? No. You're on your own. I'm only four years old. I don't care. If you think I'm going to get beat up for you, you're out of your mind. Okay. Let's take some phone calls. George. Hello, George. Yes, hi. Uh, I have a question. Uh, the uh, we just did a trust. My parents just did a, tr- a living trust here on our pro- you know, for the property and everything. And I was just wondering if you could recommend a way I might be able to protect my money because I owe uh, uh, over a hundred thousand dollars of child support, and I don't want them dummy because they're they're you know they're really good about intercepting or whatever. How how do you would you suggest I might be able to protect the, the my money? Well, from- uh, first of all, even if I knew, would I really help you out flaking out on your kids and making sure that you don't pay? <laughs> child support let's start with that just the moral well, issue do. on that so, i do it's back child support okay but even so uh there really isn't any way to protect it because once the only way to protect it is for you not to get it yeah all right so yeah. uh whatever machinations you do is in the end uh you're liable for it and if you get the money now if the money isn't there uh because you had not yet received the money out of the trust then they can't go after the trust Right, but if the money is there and you receive it, oh yeah, oh yeah, they can go after it and you owe the money. There's no way out of it, George. If they, if they like, because the, the, there's one of my one of my brothers is the one the the the, the executor, so he's going to be in charge of it, right? So while he's the one that's disseminating it, he, is there is there a way that you know? I mean, he's let's say he hands me a check, and once it goes into your account. Uh, it's you're, it's liable to be grabbed up. Okay. And if you go out of your way to make sure you aren't liable, you play whatever machinations you do, uh, then what you're doing is committing fraud to avert child support. Okay. Yeah, you're screwed anyway. And you should be, incidentally. I, can you imagine? I owe $100,000 in child support. Help me screw my family out of the money, would you, Bill? Sure. My pleasure. Stephanie. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Hi. 
Yes, your turn. Uh, so I so I uh, own a small business, and uh, a salesman walked into my small business and wanted to sell me uh, cleaning. It's like a dance studio, so they come and clean. Um, and shortly after they got started, I was unsatisfied with the with the service. And I wrote to the man that originally contacted me, and I I said that, and he put it off for about a month. And then on the next payment, I turned in, I wrote on the receipt, I'm not satisfied, someone needs to contact me. They didn't contact me until the next payment, so at that payment, I stopped paying. All right, so were people were people coming in to clean throughout the entire period? Uh, it was after hours, and then sometimes when I would come in, I would send a text message saying, well, did last night, did they come? I can't tell. All right, so how much money do does the company say you owe them? Just fifteen hundred. So All I right. have to go to court yeah. on Monday. Okay. And I, I didn't know if I should. I mean, how do I proceed? You bring you that- you bring all of the emails, everything you have, and go. These guys breached the contract. This is supposed to be a cleaning crew, and they didn't clean. And here is the proof where I was unhappy. Uh, I had to ask them if they came or not, and I just don't don't owe the money. That's all okay, you say. So this- I just focus on the fact that they didn't clean. Right. Or if okay. they did clean, now, they left it dirtier than it was b- before they started cleaning. Whatever. Okay, great. And then if they have, like, a history on Yelp that I should have noticed before. But I don't know. Yeah, you can bring that in, but I don't know if the judge is going to pay, pay attention to that. Maybe. Okay. But you can bring it in. other people say that they just sue them, that that's what they do. They I understand. I understand. Them. You can bring it in. The judge may consider it or not. Uh, I mean, technically, the judge should not. But it's small claims court. Uh, you can say whatever you want to say. I mean, the judge will look at it. And if the judge even looks at it, oh, I can't look at this. Of course, he's looked at it. So okay. certainly you bring you bring in any piece of ammunition you can to defend your the defend your position. And I think it should be OK. I mean, based on all the evidence, I'm unhappy. Were you there last night or not? Uh, this is horrible. It's not clean. Yeah, I think there's enough there. Uh, hello, Ivan. Hello, Handel. Yes, sir. So last year, um, my sister sold a house. Well, the house is under her name because her boy, her ex-boyfriend is a real estate agent. So him and his friend, who's a loan officer, purchased the house, which used my sister's name, for the house to fix it as a fixer-upper. So the house, they sold it. It was $120,000 check that my sister got. She took it out of her account for the profit of the of the house. He wait wait wait. He so the the check went to her because she owns the property, correct? Yes. All right, and he took it out of her checking account? Yes. How did he do that? Well, they they shared uh bank accounts. Okay, I got it. So he was on the bank account and he took the money out. Yes. Okay. But he's a real estate agent and he was also Flipping the house, which I heard, which is illegal. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Why would that be illegal for a real estate agent to flip the house? Maybe, uh, I'm, maybe well, I'm missing something. Real estate agents flip houses constantly. Okay, uh, even being the contractor. I don't understand. No, contractors flip uh, houses constantly. A real estate agent who does uh, his or her own building or remodeling and then flips the house. I don't quite understand. Uh, what? How is your sister screwed out of this is what I want to know. Okay. So she never got the 1099 because uh, the people, they know the people in the escrow also. Well, she never got the 1099, so she's never paid. She never got 
they said they're not going to file the 1099, so she hasn't paid taxes, which I know she's going to get screwed. Yeah, but that's e- but here but here it is. It's real easy. First of all, she says I the money was taken out. I never got it except it goes into her account. Just so happens that her boyfriend had access to the account doesn't mean it didn't go to her. Uh-huh. So when she gets hit with a 1099, how much profit was there? 120 Yeah, there's a, there's going to be Yeah, there's going to be some taxes there. And uh, you're and you, they're, you're probably going to be issued a 1099. I can't imagine you wouldn't be. Although that's not true because I don't know who issues the 1099. You have to declare the money on your taxes because when someone is giving you a uh, is selling you a house or you're selling a house, you're flipping it. Who's going to issue the 1099? Isn't it the escrow? Escrows don't issue 1099s. No, I don't think so. Okay, that's yeah, I mean, the bottom line is uh, you have no idea what you're talking about, only to be beat by my inability to know what you're talking about. And even me, I don't know if I know what I'm talking about, but I don't think escrows issue 1099s. I, I truly don't. Okay. Uh, hello, Hector. Welcome. Hey, Handel. Yes, sir. Um, I was pulled over last week for uh, driving under the influence, and um, I... You know, field sobriety tests. I felt I did, you know, pretty okay on that, and uh, I thought that actually they were going to release me. But they did a breathalyzer test. Um, I didn't want to surrender uh, my license, or I didn't want to deny that because I'd heard you automatically get your license taken away for a year. So I did the breathalyzer test. I had to blow three times. Um, it was above the, uh, the the alcohol limit. So they arrested me, took me to the station. I did blood work um, there as well. Um, I was eating Jack in the Box while I was driving, so I don't know if that helped or not. But my question is, my court date is April 21st, and I wanted to be proactive about everything. Um, so I, I'm signing up for, I plan to sign up for DUI classes next week, and then I've already registered press R22 through my insurance, um, and I'm, I'm planning on taking a few AA classes. And it's not that I'm trying to look perfect in front of the judge, but I just want to show him that I'm taking this very seriously. Yeah, no, that and that um, helps, and that helps. So okay. what's, what's your question? My question is, do you, do you suggest anything else? No, you, you know, you're doing you know, you're doing everything you can. Now, you're still going to get tagged, Hector. Uh, right. And uh, so uh, what will happen is the judge, and I don't know how much discretion the judge has in terms of fining you. Uh, you're going to get fined. Now, hopefully right. the judge has discretion and uh, we'll give you the low, low end of that based on, Your Honor, I really screwed up here. Right. Here's what I've done to fix it, and please take that into consideration. Because fighting okay. a DUI where you've failed a breathalyzer and the blood came back and it showed you were above the legal limit, I mean, there's no place to go, Hector, uh, right. okay. unless you want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to attack the breathalyzer, and I don't even think you can attack the blood test. So yeah. it's uh yeah you're doing everything you possibly can nothing more okay. just and just keep on throw yourself on the mercy of the court and understand yeah. it's wrong and here's what else right. and you ask the judge your honor this is what I've done what else can I do right okay okay the other question real quick handle is I'm a service technician um I have a certification with the state fire marshal for servicing fire extinguishers and sprinkler work but it's not a it's not a commercial vehicle um it was a bit my personal vehicle. Should I even bring that up? I wouldn't. Um, I, just, I okay. wouldn't until they ask you. Okay. If there is is there there's a licensing uh, part of your uh, your job, right? You have to be licensed every year. 
Yeah, I renew it. It's certified. Okay. It's, I'm not driving for a living. All it's right, just, so what do they ask you? I mean, if you remember that application, do they ask, have you been convicted? No, I don't believe so. Then you're fine. You don't volunteer crap, Hector. Okay. <laughs> until you are asked, all right? Okay. I okay. Thank you. You got it. Uh, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hi. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? In 2009, we lost the house um, and we had to file bankruptcy. Luckily, we had a rental that we moved into. Um, that house had a second, and which I continued to pay. Why? It, because uh, I didn't know it was... Um, Dischargeable in bankruptcy? I didn't know they did it. And Wait a second. Did you go to a lawyer? Yes, I did. And the lawyer had you pay the second mortgage even after you filed for the bankruptcy? He, I couldn't get a straight answer. And as it turns out, he was disbarred. Oh, great. So, all right. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. So I've continued to pay this, and I just recently figured out that it was discharged. It was just charged, but they still took the money. Yes. All right. So what's your question? Have I reaffirmed the debt? Yeah, you may very well have reaffirmed the debt. Uh, and that's the problem. They didn't. Uh, uh, oh, that's a tough one, because once you file for bankruptcy, you're done. But you but if you come back, say, but, you know, what I'm doing is I'm please ignore the bankruptcy. I want to keep on paying you. Yeah. And that sets up a whole, unfortunately, different relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what to say. You may want to talk to a bankruptcy uh, bankruptcy attorney. I think that's the case, but I may be wrong on that since I don't okay. do bankruptcy. But uh, right. yeah, you—that's uh, a tough one, man. Oh man! And uh, the, the big problem is uh, obviously uh, the uh, the reaffirmation. I mean, she certainly used the right language. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, uh, I purchased. Um a property in Pasadena in 2006. It was a fixer house, but uh, zoned uh, commercial residential. Um, And I'm a dentist, so I decided to convert uh, this house to a dental office and start business there. Uh, During the construction, um, the house was uh, really bad, so we decided uh, uh, to build it all over again. Um, We started the construction. We got the permits from uh, the city of Pasadena. And uh, the neighbors, uh, they stopped, they came, uh, the council uh, member came and stopped the construction because uh, there is, uh, 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 the neighbors filed um, um, a paper with 20 signatures on it, a document with 20 signatures, that they want this house to look how it was 100 years ago in uh, 1908. Uh, where there is a porch in the front and things like that. And uh, that's the period where we have the uh, framing of the, of the um, construction going on. Um, they, they asked me to build a porch that was there. They brought the pictures, black and white. Uh, plus, they asked me to preserve the windows, which were 100 uh, years old. So I spent about 3,000 plus on each window. There is about three windows in the front to restore them. And uh, they ask, they make, they force me to put the the porch back in the front. Wait a sec, hold on. The the neighbors forced you to do this? No, they filed with the historical. I understand. uh, And the historical society came, and they don't have uh, any. And I don't believe the historical society 
uh, has any power itself because the city has already given you the permit. Did they yank the permit? There the, is a department in the city of Pasadena uh, called Historic Preservation. Right, and I understand that, but did the city take back your permit? Yes, they stopped okay. the construction and got it. they involved the council member. Uh, All right, got it. All right. Council member. All right, so you spent $3,000 per window. They want you to build a porch. Uh, and, and, and did you build a porch? Yes, I did. That cost me about $20,000. Okay, so what do they want now? Uh, this was in 2006, so I, I built it up and uh, I completed because I cannot stop the construction. Uh, I paid um, everybody. Okay, so what, what? All right, Mike, what's your question? The, the question now, um, I, I paid everything in, uh, from my pocket. They told me I'm going to get tax, the tax credit on this. Who told you that? The city, the historic department. Okay. By doing this. They're going to give me historic preservation uh, okay. uh, award. Uh, okay, Did, and you applied for it, right, Mike? I applied for it, but they denied it because the the, uh, the house has two doors, and I told them I cannot have two doors for the right. general office. All right, got it. So, so they said because of that one door, because of that door issue, they're not going to go ahead and give it that historical preservation, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the tag there. They're not going to give you the designation, correct? Exactly. Okay, so, and, uh, my, all right, fair enough. What's your question? My question, I want to add a storage on it because this office uh, uh, looks very small. It doesn't have a garage. Okay, are you talking about on the front or on the back? Uh, back or second or second story. Um, all right. The reply from the city came. Okay, so what's, cannot, all right, so what's your question? Uh, the reply from the city came that I cannot do this because uh, this is uh, all right. historically... Got it. So what's your question? So I told him I want to sell it because I'm joining. I was in the Army Reserve, and I'm going back, uh, and I want to sell it. They said you cannot sell it uh, for a dental office because it's historically preserved. You can only sell it as a residential. Okay. And they've declared it to be only residential, correct? The title is still residential commercial. No, I understand, but the city has brought in its historical designation and says you can only sell it as uh, as residential. Correct. Correct. All right. So, what, what's your question, Mike? What can I do? Because I you're going to have to take them to court. You're going to have to file a. You're going to have to take them to court, and you're going to have a problem with that, Mike, because they have the right to do it. Just because you can use it as. Uh, commercial. If it's commercial slash residential, you can you can use it, but they have to give you the permission. And if they're saying no, we're not going to do it because these other set of rules kick in in under its historical designation. I mean, they have a right to do that, Mike. And the only thing you can do is take them to court. You want to do uh, maybe it's, you know what you want to do is first before taking them to court, you want to appeal their decision, go in front of the city council. And ask for it to be changed. Uh, you're going to need some representation, partner. You're not going to do this one on your own. Got it. And uh, any recommendation? For yeah, you're going to need it. You're probably going to need a lobbyist uh, that uh, knows the system. And you're going to have to do some research and find out who does lobbying. And usually it's out of a law firm. And you want to... Uh, how do How do we find out? I would actually... Talk to someone in the city council office and just say, hey, uh, can you give me the name of a couple of lobbyists that deal with the city that you would suggest? I mean, that's hard finding a good lobbyist, Mike. 
Uh, I would. I know all the all, uh, lobbyists, for example, the city of Los Angeles, but I don't know anybody uh, that deals with uh, the city of Pasadena. Maybe it's the same, but everybody has a different a different take. There's a different flavor for everyone. So you get to do some research. I see. And do you think, Bill, I have a case here or I'm, I'm going to waste my no, time? No, maybe not. Maybe you do. It's a question of uh, the lobbying that you can do. It's a question of uh, how crazy the historical association is, is how cra- and how much power the neighborhood uh, neighborhood organizations have, how committed they are, what is the city council like. So it's uh, there's too many variables there, Mike. But so all you can do is uh, do the research and find a lobbyist. That's all you can do at this point. Uh, hello, Richard. Hi. Yes. Bill? Yes. Hey, okay. I'm calling about uh, my wife. She's a beneficiary on her uncle's uh, trust. And the uh, the estate has been settled by a licensed fiduciary. That property's been sold. Everybody's been paid. And uh, everything is done it, it, except for the fact he withheld $11,000 Um just for, in case something, something comes up. Okay, and that's fair. How long has it been since he's uh, since he said, I'm holding on to $11,000? How long has that been going on? The final tax return for, for 2015 was filed in March of 2016, so now it's been almost 13 months. Yeah, it's too long. That's too long. No All right, I get it. I get it. So you, yeah. I'm assuming you've sent, uh, it's a trustee who has uh, distributed the money. I don't know what a licensed fiduciary is. A trustee has a fiduciary well, that's duty. Pretty much. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's, that's yeah, got it. All right. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming your wife sent a, an email to him saying, okay, I want an explanation as to why you're hanging on to the money. Yes. And we've also contacted, we also had to pay for his attorney. To make sure he does everything right out of the, the trust. No, that yeah, the trust pays for that. You didn't have yeah, to pay well, for it. Did they ask well, you? Wait a second. Did they ask you to write the check or the trust well, paid? Well, basically, my wife got the balance after everything was. Yeah, paid and that's out. the way. But that's the way it works, Richard. Right. Well, he he pretty much said that we paid for it. No, so, is your wife the so, sole? Is your wife the sole beneficiary? No, there okay. were other beneficiaries paid, but All right. got the residue. So when you said you, when she said you paid for it, did you write a check? No, it okay. came out of the trust Got account. it. So the trust paid for it, not your wife. Right, but we got a K-1 to write it I off. No, I understand that, but it, okay. the, the way trusts work, uh, work is the bills have to be paid before the beneficiaries get the money. It's all been paid. I understand. And yeah, that's the way it works. You hire a lawyer is legitimate. So 13 months, he's had the money. You have written, uh, you sent him an email saying, what is yes. going on? Why have you been hanging on to it for so long? What was the reply, yeah. Richard? The reply is, I'm waiting for the IRS to respond. I've been in touch with them. Okay. And if that's legit, wait, Richard, is that legitimate? When he, has he sent you a copy of what he told the IRS? Is no, it thirteen months? Is it thirteen months since the the return was filed? Yes. All right, that's too long. That's too okay. long. So you say this is thirteen months. If the IRS hasn't replied, I want the money. And if so, do it, I go yeah. to state and file a complaint? Or how no, I- no, no, no. Really, who are you going to file a complaint with? I mean, there's nobody that no, licenses state, trustees. I- yeah, well, he's a he's a licensed judiciary. I don't know what a license. Well, first of all, it's not licensed judiciary. I don't know what a licensed fiduciary is actually. 
Well, that's weird. I mean, I just I, maybe they're out there, but I don't. I know there's fiduciary well, he, duties. He is. He is licensed with the state of California as, as a trustee. As a as a fiduciary, and he's handling the trust. Okay, so the court the court named him as the trustee. Is what you're saying? Uh, no, it was actually the lawyer that picked him. But, but the lawyer who wrote, the lawyer who wrote the trust picked him. Yes. All right. So the trustor, uh, the mother, was not comfortable with anybody actually uh, being the trustee. So told the lawyer, yeah. "You pick someone," and that someone was picked. Okay. Yeah. All right, right, I got it. Right. All right, so right. but uh, I have contacted the state, and he is licensed. All right, state, got it, got it. No They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do Jack okay. after thirteen months. You're going to okay. need. You're going to have to write him and saying what's going on. And he goes, "I've contacted the IRS, and uh, you may have to go to a lawyer and buy an hour of time." Now there may be thirteen months, and the IRS has not taken their time. You know, I don't know. Uh, what the yeah. timeline is on that, but the right. you have to jump on it. As far as the licensing is concerned, going to I don't even know I don't even know who which regulatory agency controls that. I wouldn't even know where to go when well, you say I, contact I, the I state. Just, I mean, do you know what agency uh, controls uh, these yeah, people? Well, it was it was state of California. Yeah, I which agency? Judiciary. That's all I typed in, and, and the, I shot a the judiciary is the court system. Um. I, I that I didn't I didn't get into I didn't want to all right you know, so anyway go into tagging his license I don't know where you're going I just uh, I'm totally confused on this Octavius yes yes sir okay I have a 91 Z28 Camaro it was running hot on me I took it to a shop to get the work done on it uh, they said that uh, you know the heads was going or whatever so instead of Doing the extra work on it, I paid him over a thousand dollars. He put some stuff in the engine in order to sell the head instead of actually taking the heads to the shop. He said he took the heads to the shop, but the shop didn't check to see if the heads was warped or anything on it. So he just did the seal on the car, and the car is still doing the same thing. It's overheating. Okay, and, uh, how much is it going to cost uh, you, Octavius? What is it going to cost you to fix it? About um, a little bit over uh, about nine hundred dollars. All right, and you've already paid a thousand dollars, and nothing was done. And nothing was done. All right, so you you sue him in small claims court. What else is there going to do? What? Uh, what? That's it. Yeah, because he telling me he telling me to bring the car. I don't care. I don't care. No, you don't have to bring the car anywhere. You take it to another mechanic. You get the bid on getting it fixed, and you sue him, and you say, "I want my money back." Okay. That's it. This is handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Or I tell you, you have absolutely no case. I love the dog ate my homework stories. And there's always something new. I, I You think that after all of the years on this show, and I'm talking about decades uh, answering questions and hearing uh, people come up with excuses and reading about excuses, you would think we've heard them all. Uh, no, no, this is Port St. Lucie. And uh, this is a fun one. So uh, a Port St. Lucie police officer uh, stops about 11 o'clock at night, a suspicious vehicle. And uh, it's a Chevrolet Silverado. And he stops the vehicle. It's a normal traffic stop. And uh, the guy opens the window up. Uh, Tice Fields opens up the window. And an officer smells uh, burned marijuana coming out the window. So, of course, he immediately runs the plates, runs the driver's license, 
And there it was. There was a violation of a probation warrant, and uh, Mr. Uh, Fields was immediately taken into custody. So upon reaching the station, they search him, and no surprise, they find a bag of marijuana that they extracted from the groin area. That's in quotes. Basically, he had it in his underwear, in his crotch of his underwear. And Ty said, and uh, this is the excuse that I love because this is the dog ate my homework. He didn't know he had the cannabis on him because he just recently changed his underwear and had no idea there was underwear in the crotch of his underwear, and therefore he had no idea. He is innocent. Well, needless to say, he was charged uh, with violation of probation and possession of less than 20 grams of marijuana. And that is uh, in the state. This is, uh, I believe, Florida, right? Port St. Lucie. In Florida, I don't. I, I assume they don't have uh, recreational marijuana because uh, under uh, 20 grams is less than an ounce. And therefore, you can smoke it all you want. You can have 20 grams on you at the time. So go figure. But I love it. The underwear. The underwear. It's in my underwear. All right. Let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, this yeah. is uh, Mark. Yes. Is this uh, Bill? It is Bill. Hey, Bill, listen. Uh, situation, I'm driving in my car in the valley, uh, northbound on Topanga, going to a club at 9 o'clock at night. Uh, 40 miles an hour, normal speed, normal place. Next second I know, I'm sitting in my Mustang, and I got an airbag in my lap, and I got people on either side of my windows telling me to get out of the car. What happened was, well, actually, I don't know what happened. I found out later. Uh, some Yahoo kids were in the intersection at Parthenia, and they were playing around the street at 9 o'clock. Car, two cars in front of me saw them, able to stop, skidded. And evidently, I blacked out. I hit a standing SUV Mercedes Benz at 40 miles an hour. Next second, I'm sitting in my seat, people around me, uh, paramedics come flatboard out to, uh, out to the ER. I'm sitting in the hallway of the ER. Everybody from the accident is in the ER. No policemen have talked to me. Uh, I see them. They're talking to everybody else at the ER. There's probably about 15 people. Uh, the thing involves probably about 15 people, three cars. Uh, we do the ER thing. I get my meds. And they give me some super glue, three stitches in the head from the airbag. Uh, they send me home. Okay. So, uh, okay. What's your question? The question is, I went, got an attorney. They said we need the traffic report. I got the traffic report. Reading the traffic report, it says my statement. It said I'm doing X, Y, and Z, 50 to 60 miles an hour on Topanga. They have information for my driver's license. It's not accurate. I went through it with a fine-tooth comb. I never talked to the officer. He signed the report. I got his name. I got his badge number. Uh, where is he? Uh, anyway, he's out there in the valley. Uh, yeah, Devonshire Division. And uh, I've been talking to some people. All right. So, what, again, uh, so, Mark, what <laughs> what is your question about all of this? My question is to you, Bill, is should I be going in there to the LAPD this is obviously a, against the law of violation. He 
shouldn't be writing a police report about me with information that's incorrect. I never spoke. Well, yeah, Mark, uh, okay, but they do anyway. They always write wrong reports and uh, will take witness statements. And how do you prove you were actually going 40 miles and not between 50 and 60? Uh, Because you're saying it. And uh, you can ask the cops, well, where did you get that information? And they can say, well, because someone said it, or that's our estimation, depending on uh, looking at the accident. And even you said you blacked out. So uh, what do you want to do? Sue the cops? Uh, you're wanna, the, you're, what did the attorney I, say, Mark? I, I, I want to show the uh, supervisor down there. So why? Just, why? Yeah. He falsified the report. Uh, uh, wait a sec. How do you know he falsified the report? How do you prove you weren't doing 50 to 60 miles an hour, Mark? Not that. He has a comment there. Omen said X, Y, and Z. All right, but, you know, but you said you blacked out, and he said, that's what I heard. Now what? And you say, that's not what I said. He goes, that's what I heard. Okay, now what? I want to sue you because that's not what I said. He goes, that's what I heard. Where, where are you going to go with that, Mark? I can't go anywhere with that. That's right. You can't. It's your word against his. It's There's no recording. There's no proof. There's just you said A and he said B. So what, your attorney, you got an attorney for what? I wanted to have the attorney with me in case the uh, uh, the police department just blow me off. They're not going to blow you off. And what, is an, what do you think an attorney's going to do? I would hope that the attorney would back me up. No, the attorney wasn't there, Mark. No, the attorney wasn't there. So what is the attorney going to do? Mark is right. It was, it, was, it was 40 miles an hour. And the cop says, you know what? Uh, I, heard five, I heard 50 to 60 miles an hour. And the attorney is going to go, no, that's not true. And the cop's going to go, okay, Mr. Attorney, you obviously were there because you can be a witness. Well, no, I really wasn't. It's what my, my client tells me. Do you see where you're going with this, Mark? Uh, it's he said, she said. It that's it, like, and you're screwed. And it's a cop that's saying it. I can't win against a cop. That's correct. Under these circumstances, you absolutely cannot win against a cop. Uh, and it doesn't even matter. Even if you were going 40 miles an hour, you're still at fault. You hit a car in front of you. And the law is very specific. You have to keep enough distance that even if the car stops, I mean, just stops right there, he slams on the brake and stops short, if you hit that car, there is no defense. Well, the guy stopped short in front of me. Okay. So? Well, it's his fault. Okay. You hit him. Now now where do you go? All right, Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Yes. Yes, what can I do for you? Bill, quick question about stalking and cyber-stalking. I have somebody who is doing both. When this person pulls up in front of my house and sees a stranger's car, he will take photographs of their license plates and their VIN numbers. He will find out who this How does he get... Wait, wait. I understand license plate. How do you get... How do you photograph a VIN number? Through the windshield. It's been done. Oh, that little tiny... Uh, the VIN number on the... Okay, got it. All right. All right, so he's taking pictures. All right. So what this person does is he looks up my friends, and then he finds out who these people are, and then he Googles and he finds out who their children are, and he will say, "Mm, let's just say derogatory information about me. He's also contacted my son and my son's girlfriend. What this person does is show up and knock on my door, and he runs away. Have you you called... And you and you've called the police. 
I have called the police, but he scampers away. Well, and and he's never done anything. Okay, so what's your so Teresa? What's what's your question? My question is, what can I do? Because see, that's a problem because. Uh, unless you hired someone to to stalk him twenty four hours a day, I mean, what do you expect the police to do? Uh, put someone in your front door for twenty four hours, and when he shows up uh, and he goes walking up to the door, all the police going to say is leave. Understood. Yeah. The other problem, the other problem that I've got with this person too is that he has made false police reports that I have attacked him. All right, but that's a name. But what is that, Teresa? Wrong. Teresa, yeah. a false police report has a name on it. Yes. And if the police and the police, therefore, that they they know who it is. Yes. Totally agree with you, Bill, but it doesn't ever stop. Okay, that's bizarre. And you've complained about getting a restraining order. Well, where where are you going to serve the restraining order? Who are you going to serve it on? Oh, I, the person lives three blocks and two houses away. From and the me. and the cops won't do anything when you say there it is right there. That's the guy. This yeah. is the guy who uh, who filed a fake police report or uh, he failed a false police report, and they still won't do anything. That is correct. You got a problem, uh, Teresa. Yes. You you have a problem. If yes. the co- if someone files a false police report and he goes to your house and he cyber stalks you and he contacts the kids. And he says things, and the police say, knowing who he is, and the false police report, and the police said, you know what, we don't want to do anything about it. Uh, something's horribly wrong, Teresa. And I agree with you. I don't know where to go. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where to go. Okay. Well, I thought that I would. No, I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, I get these calls all the time. Police won't do anything. The judges hate me. The DA is against me. I call the feds and the FBI is against me. Uh, where do you go with that? All right, Sherry. Hello, Sherry. Um, yes, the situation here is I have my granddaughters, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, okay? They were taken out of school by child services. The five-year-old was taken, God knows where, questioned and pictured about a scar on her leg that they believed that was inflicted on her by her father. Okay. In fact, it was inflicted by a fall on the ground by her playing. Yeah. The eight-year-old was also taken out and questioned in a separate room by child services. Right. Um, now, there's a seven-day restraining order placed on the parents, and they can't see the kids for seven days. I was wondering, is it legal for child services to take these kids out of the classroom Absol- and be questioned Abs- without a legal guardian? Absolutely. And can the parents bring forth any type of lawsuit due to trauma for the kids? No. No. Uh, who are they, The kid is, well, you said the, the child fell down, so who are they going to sue? Uh, well, they believe that the... Um, Child services believe that the kid was actually hit or beaten by the father, but it was actually an accident. Oh, no, I understand that. So based on that, the child services has a suspicion their job is to take the kids out. Okay. And they have, they're there to protect the children. And if there's the least suspicion that one of the parents, in fact, caused the injury, those kids are gone in two seconds while an investigation happens. Okay, yeah. well, my questions were answered. Yeah, Thank there you go. Much. Yeah, oh, yeah. Child services, they're fanatic about that. And you want them to be. That's the whole point of child services. Hi, Marie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Thank yeah. you for taking my call. Sure. Um, sorry. Uh, my grandmother fell, and um, my mother called the hospice organization to come out and examine her. 
Uh, the nurse practitioner came out, examined her, assured my mom no breaks, no fractures. My mom was specific about that because of her age. Um, they gave her morphine, said this is uh, what happens to keep her you know, um, sedated on morphine. So for two and a half days, she was laying there in excruciating pain. And my mother kept calling saying, you know, we're not, how can you assure us that there's nothing more? So finally decided to take her to the hospital and um, found out she did, in fact, break her hip. So it was um, very hard for us to go through that, harder for her, wondering if there's any. Yeah, probably. First of all, how old is she? 101. 101. Good for her being 101. Wow. And when you talk about hospice, uh, she's uh, pretty close to checking out? Um, she's not categorically on a day-by-day basis yet, but um, there's, she's going towards that way, yes. Yeah, okay. See, uh, there is the problem, Marie, is it's a question of time. I mean, there, you know, she fell. Uh, it's probably their fault she fell. And then keeping her, uh, as she complains about pain, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. And yes. so now I'm assuming she's not undergoing surgery. She's too old for that, right? No, she did. They had no choice. 101 years old. And they, how is she doing with the surgery? She came through. Wow. Um, she went to a sniff for several weeks after that. Back home now. Um, I mean, that's impressive as hell. Wow. Yes. I mean, good for her. See, I, here's the problem is, I mean, she's so old that even if you leave a message for the lawyer, by the time the lawyer calls back later on that <laughs> afternoon, she's already dead. Uh, yes. It's such a great story, though, Marie, uh, about that. I, you know, I would call a personal injury lawyer, if nothing else, because it's a fabulous story, and to see if anything's there. One of the things that happen when someone's that old, and there is anything to do with a court case, it flies. I mean, it goes boom right there. <laughs> oh no, the court is very good about that. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, they're very good. But then there's probably arbitration agreements with the uh, uh, the organization. Now, she was at home when she fell, or yes. Ah. Yes, at home. So there was a caregiver at home? Yes. All right. And the caregiver works for an organization? No, it uh, was her daughter. Oh, yeah. that's You know what? That's You're talking about a day and a half, and uh, it may not even be her fault. I don't think there's anything there, Marie, unfortunately. Uh, I no, don't. Okay. Yeah, because it's uh, her daughter is the one that actually is at fault for the injury. And then uh, the fact that she was there a day and a half in excruciating pain, and I get that. But I don't know what a day and a half of excruciating pain is worth, and what is the lawyer going to do? Uh, ladies well, my de- thinking, okay, my thinking was that it should have been policy to they have an X-ray machine that comes out, and I actually have no, no, I understand. No, they blew it. No, no, that, Marie, Marie, they, yeah, Maria, they, Maria, they absolutely blew it. There's no question. Okay, but you're talking about a day and a half of pain, and okay. that is the injury, and it is excruciating. Granted, but uh, a, a lawyer is going to file a lawsuit and take depositions. Uh, and go against the company for a day and a half, uh, go against the, the medical provider for a day and a half of pain. And who was it that said there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong? The nurse practitioner who's an employee of the hospice company. Okay, so you you go against the hospice, hospice company, and then they, uh, you know, even that, they're going to say, well, I didn't think, and it's just, 
uh, it's I, I don't think there's enough there, unfortunately, okay. even though it happens. It's a question of damages. But I mean, good for your mom, 101 years old. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> like, how old are you? 90? Early 50s. Okay. What do you mean only she's 50s? Wait a sec. She's oh, grandma. she's your grandmother. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I just thought yes. she's your mom. Okay. Take care, Marie. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 101, and she falls and breaks her hip and has surgery and came through it fine. And I am assuming, you know, I'm just thinking, if she is, let's say she's losing at 101 and her mind isn't quite there, part of it is simply convincing her that it's someone else. And it's not actually her that underwent this. And the pain you're feeling isn't actually yours. No, that's not going to work, is it? Hey, Greg. Greg, uh, well, good morning. Yes, welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? A uh, quick question regarding an HOA. We have a vacation property managed by an HOA, and we pay dues monthly, of course. And for four months out of the year, they close the one and only amenity, which is the pool and spa, but they collect the same amount of dues. And they claim it's the homeowner's choice to do so to keep costs down however we have a second property in a separate community managed by the same hoa where they do the exact same thing multiple homeowners got together asked to keep the pool open year round and of course we're shot down why by the homeowner association or the management company the hoa uh they, they have the uh, they have the right to do that i mean it's that simple the HOA, the HOA says we can shut down this. Uh, we can certainly shut down the pool, the spa, et cetera, uh, during X number of months uh, because it's not used or it's too expensive. The energy is too expensive. Read your CCNRs, partner. All right, sir. Thank you very yep, much. That's easy. Uh, people don't uh, sometimes they have a hard time understanding how powerful uh, homeowner associations are. Astoundingly powerful, even when it seems ridiculous. And a homeowner goes to court against the HOA. Courts will generally back up the HOA. Not because they like what the HOA did. It's only because the power that it has. So how do you undo that? Well, you get the board to turn around the decision. Or if you really don't like it and the board is telling you to go pound sand, which usually happens, then you simply vote the board out. Run. It's an elected office. Merrill, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the, the situation is a, a repair that didn't get made or something with, with a, a tankless water heater. I called a, the first company. The idea was that they were going to come out and do a service call, and what happened was they did nothing. The fe- fellow did nothing. He pitched me hard about replacing the entire uh, water heater, I mean about a $2,800 uh, hit, and I signed a thing, the invoice that said on it, I agree to pay him a hundred, hundred and ten dollars for the, uh, you know, for for his efforts, which were zero. Well, I was disgusted with that, and I called a second company that came out and uh, for the same okay. amount. Okay, yeah, I got it, and they repaired. So, okay, the guy screwed you over with that initial hundred and ten dollar repair, which didn't happen. I get it. Yeah, but I, I want to know because that's an easy one. That's just small claims. Thank you very much. Here's my hundred and ten dollars. Here's the company that did it. They they 
screwed me and then they're going to come back. We didn't and whatever the judge is going to say. But you were talked into, you say, into a $2,800 new system. Well, that's what he wanted. Oh, I, I don't care. That doesn't matter that he wanted that. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, if I try to talk you into buying my car for 10000 and it's worth 5000 you don't do it. What good does that do? Well, I, I signed the thing before before I actually realized. What did uh, you sign? The twenty eight the twenty eight hundred dollar no, just the invoice. Okay, so I told to Meryl, I told you, I told you, it's a small claim suit, nothing more, nothing less. So I uh, do I uh, what will happen if I don't pay him? He'll probably sue you. Okay, for one hundred and ten dollars, then you go into court. Okay, and I uh, go here it is. They didn't do it. Here's the guy who did fix it. I uh, the guy who did fix it says it wasn't fixed in the first place. Uh, first place, and if uh, plumber number one fixed it, why would I hire someone else? So you've got all kinds of arguments to make. All right. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Steve. Yeah, I'm calling for my daughter. Yes. Um, basically, she owes about fifteen to twenty thousand in uh, back income tax. She was, you know, making good money lost her job, and now she's disabled. And I was wondering if some of these people that can, you know, advertise on your station can do something about reducing that tax. Yeah, it's here's the problem is uh, you have to be a little careful uh, about going to those folks. First of all, uh, you can't assume that everybody who advertises on this radio station or any radio station uh, is in fact superb at what they do, have the skill level needed. And so I wouldn't, uh, I mean, I'd look at them, certainly, uh, but I would also talk to other people. I guess that's, uh, boy, did I worm my way around that one, didn't I? And right. the point is, uh, I, I, anybody who wants money up front, you stay away from. That's for right. starters, all right? And how do you uh, how do you deal with back taxes? You have to get into what is called an accord and satisfaction with the IRS. You just start negotiating with them. Now, anybody who's had experience with the IRS, for example, an enrolled agent, an accountant who talks to the IRS, and that's uh, you sort of have to be licensed, but that's easy to do. They're called enrolled agents. They're talking to the IRS constantly, and you may want to go to one of those. Do you have an accountant that does your taxes? Well, I have a guy that I know that uh, he's retired, but he knows the stuff, and he was enrolled. I can go to him. He's been go to him travel. and ask and ask him who he recommends. First of all, you okay. won't pay you won't pay the upfront. I mean, people charge seven, eight thousand dollars upfront, and right. it's a question of uh, how good you are negotiating, making a case for your daughter, and arguing. And then they it depends on how much money she has. They'd rather take fifty cents on the daughter than a dollar than nothing. Uh, well, basically, she, yep. One quick thing: she has money only in the four hundred one k. Can she touch? Can no, they touch that? No, I don't think so. I think the four hundred one k plan is uh, her money, and okay. uh, so, but they will anything that's uh, any income that comes off no, she of that. Has none. Uh, then you, I think she's okay, but you want to talk to an enrolled agent about getting the IRS, and the IRS does cut deals, by the way, Steve. Well, that's right. I know that. That's yeah. why I'm calling you. Yeah, and the more well, you can, and the more you can throw on them, uh, the better off you are. Now, does she owe state taxes? What is that now? State taxes. If you're in California, does she owe state yeah. taxes? Yeah, she owes some. I think. Yeah, that's a that is going to be a problem uh, because right. the state, the Board of Equalization, are a bunch of bastards. They don't care. Uh, they'll just let you squirm and die. I mean, they're uh, that organization. They wouldn't pee on you if you were on fire to put out the fire. 
Wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it is pretty bad. But but the enrolled agent does it all. So uh, go to uh, someone who does this for a living. And I, they have to look at everybody. That's my take on it. Louise. Hi, Louise. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. My son received a pedigree dog as a gift two years ago mm. uh, from a girlfriend. They broke up, and I've been taking care of the dog Um so I registered it with the pound. I got it shot. It's registered on PetLink in case I lose it. And now she's coming back saying she wants the dog. All right. She is it, it first of all, uh, Louise? I don't care if she bought it or not. Is okay. it? Or is your name attached to that dog across the board? It is, except at the AKA where she bought it. Well, I would argue that you just—it's your dog now. Right. And she gave it up, and she gave it to you. Here's the proof, because my name is all over the place. And if the girlfriend wants the dog, uh, let her go to court. Do I need to get an injunction or anything? Yeah, yeah, for what? For her wanting the dog? Okay, she's threatening to come with the police, just for her. Then she's not going to come with the police. I mean, that's that's a threat. So okay. don't worry about that. I mean, she's not going to do that. And now you want to keep the dog uh, in a position where she can't grab the dog. Right. He is. He's locked behind our gate. Then you should be okay. And I would even, I would even put up a video camera. You should have one anyway for security, Louise. Okay. And uh, aimed at where the dog is. And if she goes, breaks in, and grabs the dog, uh, you have a breaking and entering and uh, a theft because the dog is property. First of all, what kind of dog? Uh, French bulldog. Oh, those are cute. Those are yeah. yeah. Those are nice dogs. And how much did you pay, or how much did she pay for the dog? She said she paid $2,500. Uh, yeah, that may be true. That may be because, uh, you know, pedigree dogs uh, are right. not inexpensive. So when uh, she calls you again, uh, you say, by the way, uh, you're not taking the dog. If you try to take the dog, I have video all over the house. I will have the police come out and grab you for breaking and entering. And thank you for buying me a dog. Well, she bought it for my son. Actually. That's even, that's even, and your son's not going to sue. Right. All right. Yeah, just fine. The only thing you have to worry about is her breaking in and grabbing the dog. Well, if she comes up with the dog um, somehow, it's still linked to me through the pound. All right. So it doesn't matter. What do you mean she comes up with the dog? Well, she comes and grabs it for some reason. Then you have to undo that really quickly. Okay. Because she's going to end, you're going to end up suing her for the dog. Gotcha. And you want her to sue you for the dog. French Bulldogs. I don't know what they look like, actually. I'm sure they look like a bulldog. Okay, Mike's going to pull off, uh, you know, go on to Google. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, this is just a fun story. Not great uh, legal implications, uh, because I, I do a, enough of those. I just want a fun one. And this has to do with a 61-year-old man in Tokyo. Uh, Japanese guy, you would think. You'd be right. He's just been arrested. Uh, he's a delivery man, by the way. He's been arrested on suspicion of stealing women's underwear. And when the police searched his home, uh, there were more than a thousand items of women's lingerie, uh, lingerie and clothing in his home. Now, he works for a printing company and he's admitted to the charge and further admitted that he had been stealing underwear, women's underwear and stockings for the past 20 years. And why? Because he likes wearing them and has enjoyed wearing them since he was young and he's 61. So 
I would guess it was 40 years of this, maybe longer. Now, who who am I or you to quibble with someone else's uh, personal sexual predilections? But you can't steal stuff. That's where the line has to be drawn. So he was actually arrested for stealing nine, nine items that had been hung out to dry at a costume rental shop. And when the police, he stole them from uh, the the drying line and the police searched his home and then they found more than a thousand items. And the police quoted him, this is in the police report, uh, saying that while he was making deliveries in the truck, he would often steal lingerie that had been hung out to dry on balconies or from washing machines in coin laundries. Oh. You can quibble. I think it's fine with me. I don't care. Matter of fact, I've worn my share of women's underwear in my time, but I buy them or I steal them from my wife, and she is not going to prosecute. All right, let's take some phone calls. Okay. Gina. Hi, Gina. Hello, Gina. Hi. Okay, so I was calling because I wasn't sure if there was anything I could do about my termination recently. I was working at a company for about three and a half years, and I decided to do a private search with a recruiter, basically like a headhunter. So everybody knew that I was employed. This was kind of a private search. I received an offer letter from a company um, paying me about five more dollars an hour as an accounts receivable clerk with a start date. Um, so I accepted the position, full benefits, everything. Um, a week after I started, the controller that hired me either quit or got fired. I'm not sure of the story. And they brought the new controller in. So once they brought the new controller in, she let me go for not helping an AP and she didn't have time to train me. And I don't know if that's I mean, I that's not wrongful, it, Gina. That's not wrongful termination. And here's where you, I would, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you went, you got stuck, uh, or you fell through the cracks because the new company uh, has the right to fire you. Now you have, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's not a wrongful termination. What it is is a breach of contract because what you did okay. is rely. It's detrimental reliance. You left your job and then you went for the new job, uh, and you lost your new job almost immediately. And uh, therefore, you got screwed over. Now, the new person says, no, she didn't do her job. That's all. And so the argument then becomes, you did do your job? And your boss says, no, you didn't do your job? Mm -hmm. See, that's the problem. Even even if, I mean, I can't go on AP and do backflips, so that's not my, you know, I have accounts receivable, so that's not my department. That's not what my offer letter stated. So that's where I was kind of... I don't think it, I don't think it even matters uh, if the offer oh, letter okay. if it says you can come to work for us and then you come to work and uh, as I said your boss says yeah you know what Gina's just not doing the work I, I don't know how you can argue yes I was mm-hmm. and the recruiter and the new uh, boss says well, not in my opinion and you actually say yeah. your opinion doesn't count mine counts yeah yeah so you're pretty screwed uh, yeah that's that's tough yeah. what can I tell you. All right, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. Hey, Bill. Yes. Uh, I'm a disabled person, and the state of California, the building contractors and the commission up in Sacramento are gonna are proposing to change Title 24 of the building code, and they're going to add ambiguous language that makes it sound like it's going to be more accessible to we disabled people, but in essence, they're taking away access from us to enter – 
any building. This is what they eventually want to do. Okay. They want to keep they 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 want to keep us out of public buildings in the state of California. Fair enough. My so- question my question to you is, do you think cuz I'm on several disabled groups, rights groups and all this sort of stuff, do you think we should do a class action lawsuit? No, you can't you think- you, no, you can't do a class action lawsuit under those circumstances. You can't. Now, you can argue that class action, what you have to do is, first of all, get the bill overturned if you can. And the disabled community has lobbyists. They have to. And the lobbyists come in and you get your local senator and assembly person and just go crazy. Otherwise, uh, well, 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 Bill, check this out. Uh, You said we have a lot. Well, actually, uh, you know, we disabled people. I don't know if you know what's what's been going on with us, because this this story should be all over the mainstream. I I know you have a hard time walking, but but yeah, I I wear leg braces and walk with crutches. I have polio. So basically, uh, they're trying to. Uh, you know, violate, change the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act is being violated. Well, they can't do that in California. California can't change the ADA. I know, but, but, but here's what they're doing, Bill. Here's what they're doing up there. The building contractors are, they're not changing it, but they're, they're putting in their words of the way they think it's Okay, changed. then it's, then it's, that's a lawsuit, but that's not a class action lawsuit. That's, uh, well, I think I probably, a I mean, lawyer who does, I don't know. Yeah, but you're a private lawyer. uh, You could, but I don't think any of them are going to do it for free. A disabled lawsuit against the the building contractor. Well, it wouldn't be against the building contractor. It would uh, because then the argument goes, what's the interpretation of the law itself? And then it gets appealed and then it gets appealed. And what you're doing is asking a lawyer to spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours to do it for free, Daryl. Okay. Yeah, that's po- that's the trouble. So just you know, what you want to do is you know the disabled crowd, if you were, if you will, uh, you know your organizations, find out what they're doing because you can't do this on your own, Daryl. That's impossible. Oh, I understand, but I'm on the board of several groups. All right, then you vote uh, and you you find out where you go. I mean, if you're asking me, I'm the wrong guy to ask. And do I think it's a dis- a, a law uh, class action suit? You know, uh, it might even be, uh, but I don't know that you're suing the state, you're suing in. Uh, you're suing contractors who are interpreting uh, the business of the uh, suit. No, you can't sue. It's not a class action. It's a specific contractor. It's someone who's building a specific business. And you're arguing that that's violation of uh, the ADA, and here's the language of it. And they say, well, here's we in- here's how we interpret it. And you go, no, that's a wrong interpretation. We're being discriminated against. And then you go to court with that on that one case. Hi, Manny. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. Yes, sir. Listen, this is my situation. I uh, participated in a job walk uh, for a uh, government contract. The contracting officer states he's not going to accept or equivalent. But in reading the contract, which is what I do to the last period, it states that long as I state that I'm using or equivalent, it's acceptable. He tells me my contract will be considered non-responsive and not even considered. I don't quite so understand. I, okay. Uh, so the contract, he says... Uh, that it's a non-equivalent uh, clause, and you're, or whatever the clause says, and you're saying it is equivalent, right? It says well, in the contract. The, Am I missing something? Right. The contract states that I can use or equivalent as long as I state it's or equivalent. What do you mean? Well, what kind of? I'm sorry. What kind of equipment? Uh, it's an automatic door. Oh, it's an automatic I door automatic that you door. can use. Uh, your automatic door, correct? The equivalency in there, and he's saying no. He's saying no. He sees he wants a specific brand, but the contract states that I can use 
or equivalent. So I can use an equivalent as long as it's equal, and I state that it's equal and can right. prove it. And, and this is a contractor who's saying no? The, the contracting officer, the one that decides who gets the bid, who well, gets the contract. Well, Manny, uh, let's get real for a moment. Is this Does the contract that you get it be predicated on what this guy thinks? Well, uh, let's hope not, but he's the deciding factor. Well, then it's pretty well his decision, isn't it? So let me ask you this. How much money do you lose or money you don't make if you use the brand name? How much money do I lose? Yeah, yeah. If you use equivalent, let's say equivalent's going to cost you $10,000. Is the brand name going to cost you $12,000? It's not that. It's that I don't have access to the or or to the brand name ah okay so then so what does he say if you don't have access how do you get how do you do the work well that's why the contract states i can use or equipment i understand but you're talking to the guy that signs off on it manny well the the, he's all he is is he's the person that facilitates for the government and as far as that goes he's supposed to do whatever is in the best okay then manny then manny uh just say fine and uh, go ahead and uh, you get the contract, and I'm assuming you don't have to talk to him after that because you've gotten the contract, right? Well, once I get the contract, they make sure that everything's... Uh, now, who makes sure? And equipment. Manny, who makes sure? The uh, folks at the facility where, is I'd, it, be, where I'd be installing right. it. Right. Is it? D- does he make the call as to uh after after you get the after you get the contract is he does he stay in the equation only as to respect that he is the one that after the, the equipment's installed he checks with the folks that uh where i installed it and he says okay great now he authorizes payment okay so now here's the problem you're going to have and that is uh he is he telling you that you have to use the brand name or is it is it in writing or is it verbal I have it both ways, verbal and in writing, but in his, he, he, there's a questionnaire you have to, fill, to send in if they're for an RFI, a request for information. I send in the RFI, and his response is, nope, you can't use anything okay. other than what I asked for. I got it, uh, well, except you, your clause says, uh, or equivalent, correct? Well, the government's, the government's contract says, or equivalent. Well, then you're done. He is, then it doesn't matter what he says, isn't it? Get the bid. Uh, and uh, just go for it. But does he want you to put, or does he want you to say, I will not use the equivalent in the bid that's going to him? Well, he's the one that awards the bid. Well, you've got a problem, Manny. Well, yeah, but he's he's doing he's going against what the okay. rules are. Okay, great. All right. Now what? Well, my question is this. If I don't get the contract, all things being equal, only because he considers my my quote non-responsive and doesn't even give me a chance to contend for it. Mm-hmm. Do I have uh, grounds for a suit on losses that I may potentially could have had? That's a problem, Manny, because he's going to come up with some other reason why he didn't give it to you. When you say all things being equal, not in his opinion, but he, in the eyes of the government. Well, no, the eyes, the eyes of the, the government, Manny, is him. He is the eyes of the government. <laughs> do you understand he's the one that makes the call on behalf of the government you've got a problem with this guy you've got a problem with this guy and if you just he either hates you Manny, doesn't want you to get the bid which is starting to well, smell I, I that way it's a situation where it's, uh, he's kind of in the pocket of people that all right well there. then there's nothing manny then there's nothing you can do then there's not a damn thing you can do
You're not going to sue the government because he didn't give because he didn't give you the job because this is the way he interprets the contract because they'll say even if you're right I didn't think he could do as good a job unless it's a straight <laughs> unless it is a straight bid lowest bid gets the job that's the way it's supposed to work no lowest no does it work that way does the law say that well yeah the, the okay so there's no all right so there's no room for example you can be the lowest bidder and if you and if they know you don't do as good work or if you, as long as you comply and you make it, you have to get the uh, you have to get the contract, uh, no matter what. If you're low bid, correct. Wow, I'm glad I fly in airplanes that are built by the government. Well, uh, Manny, no, it's, it's, how big a con- Manny? How big a contract is it? The last one was about uh, seventy thousand dollars. Okay. Well, talk to a lawyer and see how much money it's going to cost you to sue the government of the United States. <laughs> I get a feeling it's not going to be cheap. Uh, no, it's not going to be cheap. And you just, man, you just got screwed by this guy. That's all. He hates you. I mean, clearly this is personal. If he says you have to use this brand name and it's not available, and he says, I don't care, where do you think you're going to go on this? And he's an agent of the government. Now, maybe you can sue him because he's an independent contractor where the government hires him on a contract basis. But, you know, just... I wouldn't do it for a $70,000 contract. I mean, you could, but uh, it's. I'd rather spend the time looking for other work in other contracts than spend the time dealing with a lawsuit. I've dealt with lawsuits before, and it is. it just sucks up your time and energy. Uh, hey, David, you're up. Welcome. Okay. Okay, thank, you for, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Here's the situation. Um, I let a buddy stay with me for off and on for a couple of days. I told him he had to leave. He's doing some things I wasn't to. Uh, I was going to let be in my house. And um, when I was at work, he had called a locksmith, and the locksmith did not check his ID. He had no identification on him in order for the locksmith to check. Locksmith went ahead with the call and drilled through my lock, uh, opened up my door, and my ex buddy went in and uh, stole my wife's jewelry box. So we're going ahead and killing the locksmith on small claims court. Uh, we served him properly. He sent the letter to his work as well, and uh, he never showed up for the first time in court. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, now we have an extension, and he's trying to vacate the judgment. Well, and, he, all he has to do is show up again. It's not a question of vacating the judgment. All he has to do is appeal it, and he gets an, and he gets an appeal if he yes. asks for it. It's called a trial de novo. So it's not a it's not vacating the judgment. It's as if it never happened. The, at this point, once he files the appeal, David, there is no judgment to vacate. It's a brand yeah. new trial as if the first one didn't happen. But here's the problem you're going to have, and that is uh, he stole my wife's jewelry box. What was, how much is that worth, David? How much? Uh, what, what was the value of those jewels inside? Um, approximately three to $5,000. Yeah, and how do you prove that? Well, we have receipts. We also have uh, multiple pictures of her wearing the jewelry. We've okay, all right. And you have and you have receipts for all the jewelry, and you can actually point to every piece of jewelry that she's wearing that uh, is that's gone. Uh, if we don't have receipts, we do have um, pictures, like uh, actual cash value of a, a similar product. Okay, how do you? Uh, okay, I'm just I'm 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 just trying to nail it down. So far, you're doing great, David. Uh, how we also have the police report showing the police report knowledge. means nothing. Police report means nothing because that's what you said. Uh, however, uh, let's say she's wearing a piece of jewelry and you don't have a receipt. How do you establish what that piece of jewelry is? Uh, obviously, you, uh, you can establish that she owned the jewelry. 
Uh, she used to uh, Amazon like uh, services such as Amazon, where she can go back to her uh, web history. Yeah, but so, uh, but here's the problem: is uh, if you're talking about, uh, is it real gold? Is it gold plated? Is it? Uh, I mean, there's really no way to tell. I mean, that's that's the problem. It's always a question of proof. Uh, because the uh, the court isn't going to say, well, here's a piece of jewelry, and for example, here's a ring, uh, and it's uh, at a jewelry store, it's a thousand bucks. Well, I can get one that looks just like that on Amazon for four dollars and fifty cents. Well, so what we have is a picture of her uh, wearing the ring, and then we go back to her web history on Amazon where she purchased it and print out the receipt. Oh yeah, the then you got it. Then you, then you have it. If you have a picture and you have the Amazon receipt, exactly. then you've got it. So now. Uh, it's an issue of, um, do you hold the locksmith liable? Yeah, yeah, I would. I'd go for it. His actions directly led to the theft, and he did not have proper identification. Oh, I know, but what is I, wait a sec, uh, but what good if he did have proper identification? See, that's the problem. How does the how does a locksmith know who owns the property? Does he ask for a, a, a deed, for example? By the locksmith code or whatever. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, because, for example, if you go to my house, and I keep my deed... Uh, in a safe deposit box, and I asked the locksmith, you know what, my, I need new keys. Well, no, I need the deed of the house to help prove that... He uh, you, the call, then. I'm like, sorry? Says, who does he call? He refused, no, he refused, refused taking, the, taking the job. No, so I get that, that you know, but who, who does he call, David? Not, not calling my uh, telephone, but refusing the, the service call. Yeah, oh, I don't understand. He was called to show up at a place, and why should he... Who was he supposed to call? Not show up? Not call it using the telephone. He should refuse taking the service call. Why? In the, in the locksmith code. And Why? No, I don't know of a locksmith code. But what? I, do. I looked it up. It's what do you What do you expect him to do? He if someone calls, he should I not. Sh- he should not show up. He should show up. Check identification. Check, what does the I, David? What does the ID do? ID would show that somebody lives at that residence. Like so my, you're saying it has to be it has to be that address. Got it. So it's uh, showing ID to show that he lived there, and yeah, he didn't have any ID. All right, okay, all right. Uh, so no, that's, that's only concern. No, I get it. No, I get it. No, I get it. All right. I think you have enough there, certainly to uh, to take the locksmith and your friend to court. Uh, well, if, we're, if, gonna, we're, we're letting the detective do the uh, courting my ex friend criminally. We're taking the locksmith to court civilly. Uh, yes, and the locks and the detectives are going after him criminally. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. then you know what? You don't, at that point, once you have a here's what's going to happen. Once he is, um, I would dismiss the claim, okay, at this point. I would dismiss it with, uh, without prejudice. So you Definitely. can sue again. Because I'll tell yeah. you why. If it turns out that uh, he pleads, uh, a couple things are going to happen. Restitution is going to be ordered. Uh, and that is far stronger than any judgment you could get, David. A judgment for people like this mean nothing. You have to go collect it. And yeah. these cockroaches, what do you think? Uh, let's say you get $5,000. Okay, you have a judgment against them. Where's he going to cough up $5,000, David? From his locksmith business. From what? His locksmith business. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about your friend. Uh, uh, my friend. Uh, no, we were letting the, All right, wait a second. So the, police, so the police are going after the locksmith, right? We're going after the locksmith. The police are going after my buddy. Wait, so they're not going after the locksmith. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. No, I, they wouldn't. All right. So what you have is okay. You sue the locksmith for yeah. uh, civilly, and you put all that. Together. Okay. Yeah. All well, that makes sense. All right. I think. Uh, I think you have enough there. Certainly go to small claims court. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. I, I would. I, cer- I certainly would take that. Okay. Take care. Awesome. All right. So
So either uh, he didn't do a great job of explaining all of that, or I'm an idiot. And actually, I'm leaning towards I'm an idiot on that call. Huh. Yeah, because if I had called and asked the que- that question, and I got the answer that I got, I would definitely call me an idiot or call whoever called by the name of Bill an idiot. Even that makes no sense to me. All right, I think we're going to take another call. What do you think? Hey, James. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I got a private uh, school loan, and uh, it's been over nine years now. And I, I was wondering, is the statute of limitations, do I still have to pay on that loan? Okay, uh, when, they have, when you say nine years, you haven't made a payment in nine years? Yes, I haven't made a payment in nine years. You have not made a payment for nine years? Yes. Okay, how much is uh, how much was the original loan, James? It was uh, twenty eight thousand. Twenty eight thousand nine years ago. Yeah, yeah now it's thirty eight thousand. Oh, I saw, I thought it would have been one point eight million. Uh, it's only thirty eight thousand. Well, at this point, I still think you owe it. But ha- are they contacting you? Uh, I think it's like they keep selling it, selling it to a third party. All right. Like- well, at some point, James, you're going to get sued. Okay. Yeah, and yes, you will have to pay it. And the statute, I don't know how long the statute is. Uh, somehow it seems 10 years in my mind, uh, but you get to look it up. And you may go past the statute. And if it's a federally insured student loan, I think they have extra time, the feds. But, uh, James, uh, always, here's my philosophy in life, which obviously you are following. Always borrow money and screw the person that you're borrowing the money from, because that's how to get along in life. How many phone calls do I get? I want to screw this person. I don't want to pay my bill. All right, Roy. Hi, Roy. Yes. Yes, yes, go ahead. Hey, my wife filed for divorce a few months ago, and I gave her a a ring from my mom that my mom gave me that my dad gave her before he passed away. And she doesn't want to give it back. Yeah. I was just curious. Do I need to get an attorney? Yeah, you know, no, 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 no. I mean, you can get an attorney who is going to tell you uh, you have no case, Roy. Or you can have me tell you you have no case. Which one would you like? Well, good answer. And that's because it is considered a gift. And you can't sue to get gifts back especially if you're talking about engagement rings, which is why when I gave Marjorie the engagement ring and she doesn't know it to this day, it's not a real diamond. It's a zirconium, and I don't care. She can keep it all she wants. It cost me $80. She thinks it's expensive, but, hey, that's my answer to this stuff for sure. Vargas. Hi, Vargas. How are you doing? I, uh... A while ago, I was involved in a minor accident, and uh, there was no points. The DMV wasn't uh, uh, involved. Uh, but there's an organization called LexisNexis, and uh, so when my, ins- my my employer went to uh, update my insurance, uh, it, uh, it, that 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 minor accident it cost six hundred dollars popped up on there, and so my employer let me go. And I'm I'm trying to figure out. How can I? How can I erase that? Okay, uh, you know I don't know because there way who reported it. If there was, did the insurance company pay six hundred bucks? 
The insurance company reported it. Oh, I, I see. The, and did the insurance company pay the $600? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how do you get rid of it? It's it's there on your record. Now, how long ago was this? Uh, 11-17-2000. All right. How long ago? Give me uh, give me some numbers. A, uh, uh, give me a, a, year a, give, a, a year and a half. A year and a half ago. Yes. Yeah, they can. They're. It's going to keep on your record, and uh, your. I think it's hilarious that your employer decides going to let you go, but the employer can let you go for any reason whatsoever. How long have you been working at that uh, at that facility? Oh, a couple of years. And they're firing because of a six hundred dollar bumper. Uh, yeah. The insurance went from thirteen to seventeen thousand dollars. The insurance company reported it was thirteen to seventeen thousand dollars. They paid. No, no. The insurance policy—it's—it's it's, uh, the insurance policy was thirteen thousand, and it jumped up to seventeen thousand. Yeah, they do that all the time. Although for a fender bender in which there are no injuries, and they wrote a check for six hundred dollars, two things are happening. You've got the wrong insurance company. Exactly, Mercury. Yeah. Well, and by the way, I've had Mercury, and I've never heard of thirteen thousand dollars. How many cars do you have on our Vargas? Uh, uh, two right now. And you're paying thirteen grand. No, no, no. I'm paying. I'm paying like a thousand, but I, I, I got rid of them and I, I changed the AAA. And they're charging you thirteen thousand? No, no. They're charging me a grand. All right. So where's the thirteen to seventeen thousand dollars? That's for the new policy to drive a commercial truck. Oh, God! I wish you had said that. Uh, and the answer is, you're talking about a job with a commercial trucking company. Right. Yeah, they're going to nail you. I mean, every, at first it seemed ridiculous to me, but, uh, their, your primary job is driving. And right. if there is a history of you getting into an accident, and it really doesn't matter how big the accident is, I think that the trucking companies just say, okay, this guy's had an accident. The bottom line is you're screwed, Vargas. That's it. I yeah, guess. that's pretty much. Yeah, in the end, you're screwed. All right. Uh, hey, Robin. Hi. Yes. Hey, what can I do for you? Well, we have a tenant-landlord issue. Um, we've had tenants that have been leasing our house for almost uh, two years, and they are refusing to allow us onto the property to do any kind of um, routine kind of okay. maintenance type thing. And I'm assuming you told them uh, that uh, we need to do maintenance on the property. Yes. Okay. Have you told them that if they don't allow you, you're going to evict them? Uh, no, we haven't told them that. Why don't you, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> She's very um, difficult. Um, oh, you yeah. know, we want to fertilize the lawn. She says that'll be toxic to her children. No, 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 no. You, uh, well, I mean, she has an argument about fertilizing a lawn that's toxic, but let her go to court when uh, you uh, take her to court and give her a 30 or 60 day notice to get the hell out of the place. We'll see. Is she willing to uh, fight it? Is she willing to uh, be evicted from the place for this? Um, I would think so because okay. she won't speak to us. She oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just have her serve with a uh, a notice to quit. And uh, that that's it. And you put down the in, that uh, in the reason that you're throwing her out. She won't let you on the property. You're the property owner for even uh, minimal maintenance or uh, what is, uh, I, I think, what's the language you would use on that for uh, reasonable maintenance, I think, is yeah. what I would use. And uh, then evict her. And uh, what is she going to say? No, because it's not just the law, and I'm assuming there are other issues involved too, right? Yes, all right, exactly. just put down, Just put down all of it. Throw her out. Okay. Yeah, let her fight it. I don't know what she's going to say, but let her hire a lawyer and go to court. Cause right, because we didn't want to push it with her. You have to. I... You have no choice, Robin, If you, unless you want the place to fall apart. I know, but like we want to go examine the exterior of the property. They won't let you. I, she won't let you on it. Now, the other side. Now, hold on. 
Now, now hang on a minute. The other side of this is what if you do if you just walk on the property? That's my concern. All right. So the worst that happens is she calls the police. Right. And uh, you uh, pull the title of the house. You can do that at recorder's office. And as soon as she calls the police and the police show up, you go, I'm the property owner here. Okay. And uh, I'm doing maintenance on the outside of the house. The police will walk away in two seconds. (laughs) And the police will say this is a civil matter. But I I would have a copy of the deed with me. Okay. All right, try that as the police arrest you in handcuffs and throw you against the hood of the car and beat you to a pulp. That's always a good idea. This is Handle on the Law.